0: The She-Hulk era of the MCU has begun, and we are here to cover it. Full review of Episode 1 and everything you need to know about the universes you love, right here on The Direct Podcast.
1: Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the Vengeance. And I am...
0: episode 106 of the direct podcast everything you need to know about the universes you love it's great to be back it's great to be here i am your host matt rimke attorney at law a nickname that finally has caught up with what's going on in the world um and i'm joined as always <laughs> by our box office correspondent mr david thompson david how we doing
2: hey i'm doing great matt happy to be here um, I cannot believe that we're already at another Disney plus Marvel show. It's such a just like they are just keep shelling these things out. It feels like it. I feel like Miss Marvel really just ended. I mean, I've been on the podcast for only how long now? This is like my ninth ish episode. And most of them, you know, we were doing Miss Marvel and now I feel like we're suddenly right back into She-Hulk. But it's the last of phase four. And that's so significant. You know, I can't wait to see what they do with this series.
0: Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be awesome to see just how this really plays out over the course of the next nine weeks, something along those lines. Um, I, I can't wait yeah. till after phase four of the MCU to kind of audit how the first run of Disney Plus shows went, because obviously in the next phase, there's six shows, you know, like they're not backing away from it at all. So I'm excited to kind of see in, in in a very similar way we did with phase 3. After phase 3, we all kind of sat back and we were like, that was 11 movies. You know, like the first two phases were six each. That was 11. It's uh it's crazy yeah. times. It's crazy times especially in the MCU. Uh and I know these have been very MCU centric shows um lately, but hey, that's what it is But, <laughs> you know they're they're running twice as much content as everybody else and oh my god. Yeah. David. David, we are in people's ears on a Thursday. I it know. is Thursday right now. I just realized that. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is uh, obviously our first Thursday show ever. Um, we will be releasing on Thursdays for the entirety of She-Hawk, which means our and/or reviews will be right here on Thursdays as well once that comes round. And it's a very exciting time. And, you know, we got a little gap right here in the rundown. I say we head back to the wheel of the fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel of the Fantastic, where we give you quick hits on random movie shows and characters and showrunners and the universes you love. Quick reminder, I have this handy-dandy wheel that the internet gave me featuring every character, movie, (laughs) show, director, all the things from all three universes you love. I spin the wheel. We talk about whatever topic comes up. Three topics, three quick hits. Coming to you, David. Are you ready?
2: Oh, I'm ready.
0: Oh, you're ready. Coming in with the first spin. Which is Ultron. (laughs) There you go. Ultron, the the main villain of Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, David, this is a big bad in the MCU. Probably uh, one of the more forgotten big bads that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has produced. My question for you, when you look at the future slate of the MCU, do you see an Ultron return in the cards? And if so, where do you think the most likely spot would be for him to pop back up?
2: Oh, gosh. I'll be honest. I do not see it um, because we already kind of have gotten it uh, recently. We had it in Multiverse of Madness a little bit, right? Kind of a tease at the Ultron bots. And then specifically in What If, right? Where Ultron actually played a really... You know the Supreme Vision, <laughs> Ultron, the like God tier Ultron version. Um, that was cool. Where Ultron could pop up in the future, I, I'm kind of betting the under, meaning like I don't think he's gonna pop up. But if I did have to bet that he would, I would probably say something like an Avengers style movie where I could see something weird happening, like because of King Dynasty and Secret Wars are gonna be like wild and wacky and very multiversal. I think you could see a character like old. Ultron pop up here and there in live action. You know that's sure. a whole separate story than like what we saw in What If.
0: Right, and I think he can continue to be a great player in What If. I mean, yeah, just the idea of What If Ultron has succeeded kind of proves like, and you know, you watch the movie, it makes sense. He is probably the most powerful um, of the villains that the Avengers have taken on. He just didn't get to reach that god tier um, that he could have if he had that Infinity Stone. Um, I honestly, yeah. I, I, I mean, he. Of- Go ahead. I was just
2: going to say he literally tries to play God in that yeah. movie. That's his whole point. <laughs> He's like, like, forget humanity. You know, I'm just going to literally be God, <laughs> exterminate, yeah. uh just cause the extinction of everyone, and yeah, and then I'll rule the world. So yeah, that's a great comparison. Ultron and God today in yeah, the yeah. direct podcast. I mean, hand in hand, <laughs> hand in hand. Yeah.
0: Um. The thing about Ultron, I have always kind of seen him as a... Major candidate to return almost at any time, just because it is one of the rare opportunities that the MCU can do can do something that they love to do, which is bring characters back. But you don't have to have that, well, death doesn't mean anything vibe, because if if there's some internet way for Ultron to come back, it could be really interesting. I look at what Ultron brings to the table, what he could provide to a project, obviously a technological foe. You know what I mean? A smarter than you robot AI type. Villain, So you have to pair um, him with somebody who has somewhat of that intellect. Iron Heart could be cool. You know what I mean? Tie it into the Iron Man story, maybe even a little more with Ultron being a Tony Stark product. Um, I just think that yeah, um, Ultron can be used as a way to measure the smarts of another character and really kind of give that intelligent undertone to a action popcorn movie or show that we always like to see. Ultron, I think, I think, come back anytime. I'm excited to see him. James Spader, what a guy! What yep. a guy moving on, rolling the spinning the wheel one more time. Here we go, and it will land on Peacemaker. Peacemaker, mm. played by John Cena, AKA, aka Christopher Smith. David, randomly the other night, I watched The Suicide Squad, directed by James right. Gunn. And um, it was a a random movie I wanted to watch. I I wanted to watch something familiar and fun that, but I haven't seen in a while. Second time I'd seen it. I'd only seen that movie one time. Wow. It's good. It's just so, so good. Obviously I'm a huge James Gunn fan. It's basically rated our guardians in so many different ways, but at the end of the day, it does what guardians does. I feel emotionally connected to everybody. On the cast, Peacemaker obviously got the follow-up show. David, I really don't know where you stand on the show or the movie, for that matter. My question to you is, in the DCEU, so not the Batman, not Joker, in the DCEU future slate, where does Peacemaker fall on your list of characters you're most excited to see next? Top three, top five, top ten? You know, like where, where where are you putting Peacemaker as far as the hierarchy of characters were excited to, you know, get in the next show or movie? Yeah,
2: I thought it was cool that they did a Peacemaker show. Like it almost felt like James Gunn was kind of riding the D.C. wave a little bit there. Um, You know, had this like creative idea. D.C. was like, sure, let's go for it. The Suicide Squad, I love. I, I love the Suicide Squad. It's one of my favorite dCEU movies. It, it's it is up there. I think it it, it is incredible. Like, I love that movie. Yeah, number one for you. Oh, um, well, hundred percent. I will. Yeah, uh, Man of Steel is still my number one. That's right, everyone. Man of Steel. Let's go. Opposite um,
0: movies. <laughs> truly, very opposite. Could not movies. be more different movies. <laughs> <laughs> very
2: different movies, but I love, love, yeah. love Man of Steel, and I'll always be sad that they ruined a universe they were building. Anyway, um, when it comes to Peacemaker, the character, am I excited for like him to come back in the DCEU or just whatever we want to even call it now? Like, yeah, sure. I definitely would be more excited about a the Suicide Squad 2 than a Peacemaker season two. Like, I get what they did with that show. Um, but I feel like that show is good and everything like that. Um, but I really like the Suicide Squad as a movie, as like a James Gunn picture. And yeah, I mean, he's a good character. He's like it's one of those things where it's funny, Matt, you haven't watched the boys yet. Uh, I know, know you, I know you're getting around to it, um, but like, that's kind of what it reminds me of in that sense. Where like, he's a character that is kind of like an alt superhero, you know, where you expect a certain thing, like, right. It's like, he's like an alternate version of like captain America, quote unquote, douchey right. You know, captain America you know what I'm
0: saying? Was his exact directing line. Like James Gunn said, you're going to do captain America? And John Cena was like, yeah, I've done that.
2: Right. <laughs> and then. Um, Anthony Starr and the Boys literally just plays evil Superman, right? <laughs> Homelander right. in that show. So it's like that's what it reminds me of in that sense. And I appreciate that kind of character in the superhero zeitgeist mm-hmm. right now. Like that's why I like the boys so much. I appreciate those kinds of characters having a you know, filling a lane for us to watch. It it makes things fresh, it makes the characters like Captain America, like Superman more fresh when we see these like corrupt versions of them.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's uh the anti-hero vibe is, you know, forever a thing that people are drawn to. Um Peacemaker, yeah. hands down, no doubt, is the most emotionally invested I am to a DCEU character across the board. You know, like I, I like Shazam a lot. Like a lot, a lot. I think it's a really fun show for what it is. It reminds me of the movie Big and I know that's obvious, but if you haven't seen Big Tom Hanks 1987, go watch Big. Um but Peacemaker, I just, just, through the simple availability of that show that we got along with the movie, like, I, there's so many levels to this character, and I cannot wait to see them fleshed out even more. It's unbelievable that I am looking at a douchey Captain America played by John Cena, and I'm most excited about his character development moving forward. Right. And just as he keeps growing, such a, a tragic, goofy-as-hell character that we got in that show— but um, I think that show really was a breakout for John Cena as uh, an actor showing that he has that chop. He has, you know, he can hold his own in a dramatic level and obviously was right. uh, surrounded by a great supporting cast um, as well. Moving on, our last spin of the day. One Marvel, one DC. David, where do you think we're going to land next? What do you think it's going to be?
2: Um, Maybe now, another Marvel. Maybe a Marvel sandwich. Marvel
0: Aquaman. You're
2: wrong sticking <laughs> with
0: the sea aquaman um david there's a lot of adversity with uh aquaman the lost kingdom if you really think about it one of if not the most snyder verse connected characters being introduced in justice league and um obviously having aquaman take place alongside um the justice league storyline heavily referenced in the origin movie i should say um so there's that whole universal adversity that this movie is going through not to mention uh the second lead of the movie amber heard um reportedly being cut out of most of it um david just quick hit aquaman 2 uh where are you at as far as excitement level is there more or less or the same as when we got our first little teaser at dc fandom last year?
2: Ooh, aquaman if I'm being perfectly honest, I am like not excited at all for this next movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could I completely take it or leave it. Same as the first one. I, I did not find that movie. I understand it made a billion dollars and I get the move to push it forward. Jason Momoa is a huge star. The movie worked. It's popular, um, it was, man. Yeah, That's exactly. It's like a fun popcorn. flick Fantastic, uh, you know, fast and furious in 100%, underwater kind 100%. of, you know, it's, I, I enjoyed it fine, but I am so just completely uninvested in that world. And I, I love the fact that one thing I was nervous about, I think we talked about in this podcast with Black Panther Wakanda forever is like, is the underwater going to look the same as Aquaman? Because I didn't dig the way it mainly looked in Aquaman. You know, I didn't dig the underwater fight so much, Um, which is kind of a hot take I've found. Like people like the way that movie looks, Uh, like the choreography, and some of it's good, right? But Generally, I'm turned off by it, and it looks it looks better in Black Panther based on the first trailer, at least. So we'll see. But for Aquaman two, I'm not invested with DC right now. It's so hard to really, unless you really enjoy the character, yeah, it's hard to have that investment for the future and really care. Obviously, all the Amber Heard stuff that's kind of irrelevant to me. I'm just like, it's just not Aquaman's not my guy. Right, yeah. he's not one of my guys, and I don't feel like that movie's leading to anything. That movie's just there to make more money and sell more popcorn. And I, will, I will go see it, sure. <laughs> but I'm not itching for it.
0: Yeah, no, and and uh, I think you made a really good point there. Like the investment that people have in the DC EU is majorityly character driven at the moment. You know what I mean? Like there, no, yeah. there's not a single yeah. project on the DC slate right now that is a sure thing for a sequel. You know what I mean? Like Aquaman three is farthest thing from a sure thing that you can get. No one knows what's going to happen after the flash and um, uh, the underwater. I it, I agree with you um, about Aquaman. I think it's incredibly fun. I don't know if it's good, but um, the underwater fight there that felt a lot like Rise of Skywalker um, volume over you know like visual creativity you know what i mean i think the the sheer size of the underwater fight in aquaman is what people are drawn to but that one shot from the black panther wakanda forever trailer of of all the atlanteans riding the the sperm whale or whatever is that a sperm whale the one with the the big gap (laughs) mouth
2: yeah i know what you're talking about i don't know it
0: could be i don't know is is it funny because it has the word sperm in it or can we just like be mature, biologist, for a second. Uh,
2: no, no, we can't. No, it's no. pretty okay, funny. Fair
0: enough. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. That's lame shit. Um, no, but like that one shot, the Atlanteans riding that whale up the water, like that has just so much innovation behind it. Like oh. you don't know what it is at first, and then you realize it's people hanging off a whale. Like that's fresh and new. Aquaman. I. They may have blown their load in the first movie. Like, like, like that's a <laughs> big underwater fight. What do you do next? Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting ranking the underwater movies of 2022. <laughs> when is Aquaman? Think... Out? It's not 2022 now, right? Didn't it get pushed?
2: No, yeah, you're right. It's like February or something like that.
0: Either way, after Aquaman comes out, it's it'll be interesting ranking uh, Black Panther 2, Avatar 2, and Aquaman 2. Aquaman might be the third ranked. Underwater movie of the past few years, uh, which is a crazy, crazy thing. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been the wheel of the fantastic. Let's dive into more topics, more relevant topical topics about the universes you love. Jay Jonah, let's get it. Spider-Man wasn't attacking the city. He was trying to save it. That's slander.
1: It is not. I resent that. Slander is spoken. In print, it's libel.
0: All right. Madam Web is happening in it, much like other Sony projects. As an absolute stacked and a half cast. Now, with details from Cosmic Circus, David, did you see this report as the uh, Madam Wed hype train conductor?
2: Matt, did I ever see this news? Let me just say, <laughs> I, Make me your and Kleinfeld, me, <laughs> me and Kleinfeld of the direct.com are conducting, ladies and gentlemen, choo-choo all aboard the madam web is going to be a good movie hype train we are all in um i understand look i I speak for Klein here we both understand our hearts are going to be broken we're ready to be hurt Mm -hmm. but we're gonna talk about i want you to run down the news for me this movie every little thing about it the casting the direction so far (laughs) I know it's the same writer as Morbius. That's the biggest ick, right? That's, that's the biggest like. Uh-oh, that's like the you most know.
0: important beast, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna ignore that, Matt. Uh-oh. We're gonna ignore that because all this news coming out seems very positive, and I am, I am so beyond intrigued to, to see what this story you're about to lay out for me is going to be.
0: Remember those Case Keenum Vikings teams when Case Keenum had like that big playoff run? They had Dalvin Cook, Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen, Steph Diggs. That's kind of what Madam Webb feels like, where like, you know, all the supporting pieces of the team are like exciting and, you know, very talented and electric. Where I don't know, the rider for Morbius, that's Tough, tough resume builder. I'm not going to lie to you. So um, Cosmic Circus yeah. has some inside information and he has released some casting news. This is unofficial casting news, but usually this kind of stuff ends up being true. Dakota Johnson. I just watched 21 Jump Street the other night. She's in that. She's fantastic. Um, Dakota Johnson nice. of Fifty Shades of Grey fame. She'll be playing Cassandra Webb, a.k.a. Madam Webb, a very traditional Madam Webb character in the comics from what I've read on The direct.com, Sydney Sweeney, our darling America's sweetheart, the fastest rising star, not named Millie in Hollywood, right? Sydney Sweeney will be playing (laughs) Julia Carpenter. Now, Julia Carpenter has held two mantles in the Marvel Comics universe: both Spider Woman and Madame Webb. She's the second iteration of Spider-Woman after Jessica Drew, and the second iteration of Madame Webb after Cassandra Webb, it is being reported that there are multiple spider women and spider girl characters in this movie. So spider verse vibes are coming much expected from a Madam Web project. Um, yeah, Adam Scott, our guy who doesn't love Adam Scott. You know what I mean? An all time person.
2: Have you seen severance?
0: I haven't. Liam, Liam's oh. all over that as well. It, it's uh-huh. so good. You got to get
2: on that. Cause that's like, to me, you know, Parks and Rec, Adam Scott, and there's like Severance Adam Scott. You know? He's got like, that 70s hair, the... right?
0: Like yes. a little bit length in the back. Love that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just takes to a whole nother level, dude. Uh, right. That gets me excited about this. It's like, man, he's got acting chops.
0: Adam Webb's one of those. Uh, a, uh, Adam Webb. Wow. Adam Scott is one of those actors where like you're going to look at his IMDb one day and realize that his first big break was Step Brothers and Sweet Child of Mine. You know what I mean I have had a carb since 2002 like like yeah, yeah. the OG Adam Scott he is playing David Adam Scott Ben Parker what Uncle Ben
2: with now. great power baby oh, with great power man
0: our youngest <laughs> Ben Parker yet I believe um yeah Martin yeah. Sheen that guy rest in peace um yeah yeah Yeah. it's gonna be gonna be adam scott as our youngest ben parker yet and another another parker coming into play mary parker not may parker mary parker correct the mother of peter parker emma roberts is set to play mary parker and a baby peter parker is rumored to appear david
2: Last yeah. scene in Amazing Spider Man 2, uh, that, that Mary Parker, <laughs> yeah.
0: yes, yeah, the uh, the, the famous we gotta get the hell out of here scene,
2: <laughs> that's right, that's right, <laughs> good stuff, dude. Um,
0: oh, yeah, the plane crash, I forgot she was, she
2: yeah, was opening scene, the they lied, and all Sony lied, they, re- they released the first scene of the movie, and it's you know, Spider Man swinging in, great, you Bam. know, the, the emblem shows Bam. up great opening but like it's not actually the opening scene the opening scenes the plane crash that was a mistake Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was that led to a subway and it sucked (laughs) (laughs) but uh david as the madame guy react to this casting uh first i want to hear your thoughts multiple Madam webs multiple spider women slash spider girls how do you see that playing out?
2: um like I said, I'm very excited. It's interesting to me each casting. So we knew Dakota Johnson was madam like the main madam Web, Cassandra Webb. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly the title character. Um Sydney Sweeney's the big one. Um and I'm hoping, I pray to God and we will see. This is why part of it, I'm putting my faith in this project for some unknown reason because Sydney Sweeney, like you mentioned, is such a rising star um and could have been a player like people were casting her as black cat gwen stacy in the mcu possibly with tom holland she's playing julie carpenter um i'm curious how that's going to look as a spider woman with those abilities it could be really cool emma roberts emma roberts being mary parker to me is the most surprising of the bunch you know like is she gonna be like the damsel in distress character like is she going to be proactive like the the plot of this is getting assembled through the casting and we know Dakota Johnson, Cassandra Webb and Ben Parker seem to have some sort of like working relationship, you know, like they're connected Adam Scott um and Dakota Johnson. But I'm curious like I, I think they mentioned that the plot is almost like some sort of fate, time travel, multiverse thing making sure Peter Parker Is born or lives or or whatever happens, and boy, could this movie be hot mess? You
0: off? How does (laughs) that that piss you off?
2: (laughs) I mean, it's fun. It it, like this seems like a random, like a different universe. I don't see see that's the question. It clearly seems to be taking place. My biggest question, honestly, taking place early two thousands is like the um the rub on this, right? Is yeah. that's That's what they said they said like all the all the sets and stuff like the cars are bringing in early 2000s yeah yeah so it's not gonna be like like this is not modern day venom verse and i don't know if it's gonna be venom verse at all like i actually think this could be just something different that actually connects um another like peter parker in some way like i don't know what it is I don't know. I'm my expectation is that this is just going to be like a separate story. And like that, you know, Emma Roberts playing Mary Parker and that little kid, Peter Parker, is just some other universe. But if they do something cool where things connect in a in a smart way, which. Is a huge. um Question mark, I guess, is the nice way of putting it. If it's if it's done in an intelligent way that actually connects things and something that's really cool, then, yeah, this sounds awesome. But look, the jury is still out. I am excited about this movie, though. The cast is great. Like, I there's I think there's no denying this. If this cast was for some random comedy coming out, you know, or just some action movie coming out, I think people would be very excited for what this is going to be. It's a Sonyverse movie. So we'll see, but I'm invested. I think it sounds cool for a what you can do with a Madam Web movie. That that is what I'm excited about. This seems like some an interesting, unique, clever idea for what you can do with a Madam Web film, which I didn't expect.
0: I won't go too long on it. Everybody knows that you know my feelings on the Sony verse. Um, you know your optimism's great, and you're right. If they are able to pull together in a clever way. It could be really cool. They have done absolutely nothing over the past three years to prove that they're able to do that. You know what I mean? Like their, their universe connecting has been, you know, and this is so nerdy and stupid, but like offensive, (laughs) like, like it's offensive how they try to tie in their last couple of movies. It really is. And so to have a movie that based on this casting list is so, set up on some sort of interconnectivity between characters makes me even more nervous. The thing that Mm -hmm. I don't like that you said is Ben Parker and Mary Parker's involvement here implies that the story could be somewhat surrounding, you know, making sure Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man or, or stays alive or something like that. Right. I think that is one of the biggest cardinal sins of TASM two is that they made Peter Parker a fate, in a destiny instead of fate thing, you know what I mean? They, right. they took away the just a kid from Queens from Peter Parker in one in one line of dialogue. They kind of broke the veil of um, you know Peter Parker. It's it's a liken to Metachlorians in that it just takes away the magic of it a little bit. You know what I mean? It, it quantifies something that has no business being quantified, and right. that worries me. It's
2: the opposite of anyone who wear the mask, right? Which ironically is Sony Pictures.
0: Yes. Yes. It's the exact opposite. And also just the idea of Sony being like, yeah, we'll just make a, you know, a side story movie and not connected to everything else we have going on. I just don't think those people say those things. I just don't. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, I think I I think it's smart for them. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's smart for them. If you're going to do like you have all these characters. And, okay, there's Madame Web. And what does she do? She has this connectivity, right, to, like, kind of the larger spider web kind of family. Nine, um, right? Yeah. It, it, she's got a lot of different abilities. Um, she's I also say, supposed to be blind, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, eventually. yes. Eventually. This is going to be a, a brand-new interpretation. Like anything else, you know, the movies 100%. take little bits from the comic books and do what they want. Um, I think it is smart for their business, Uh, which is, like, not the right approach if you want the film to actually be good. But for their business, you know, if you have these characters, okay, let's expand upon the Madam Web, cast this young, awesome cast, have some connectivity to, like, Spider-Man and Spider-People, make it this multiversal thing, or or not even multiversal, just, like, this universe kind of whatever it's going to be, and try to produce a fun film, right? Um, Will they execute man I don't know probably not but I want them to <laughs> so bad now and I'm a guy that hates morbius I, like you the word offensive is very accurate for that Correct. film it is Especially an offensive movie Dark Knight
0: score. oh my gosh
2: what bad. was that it's bad. anyway like this movie to me Morbius seemed like uh, I just it had no direction this seems to have some sort of like the net direction there people are excited there's excited actors joining the project and i think that gives me a little bit of hope um like i said all aboard ladies and gentlemen madam webb will be a good movie when it's not you'll hear from me but until then i'm staying optimistic ready to have my heart broken once again
0: lord willing we're still doing this podcast when that movie comes out oh lord willing um <laughs> Real quick, uh, Emma, Emilia Clark's character on Secret Invasion has been revealed. It's a very important scroll character. We'll talk about it more in future weeks. But I think whichever character in C- in Secret Invasion, I should say, um, whichever character mm-hmm. in Secret Invasion they use to explain evil scrolls versus good scrolls, I think it's going to be the most important character in that show. Giving that responsibility to Emilia Clark makes a lot of sense. Moving over to the Blue Brand Crime Wave. In Gotham, other breaking news, water wet. All right. It seems like it is officially time to give an update on the Ezra Miller situation. Here is the latest highlights of the saga so far. David, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Ezra Miller, they were charged with a felony assault um, after the incident that happened like, what, three, four weeks ago? I think it was in Hawaii.
2: Yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, there was another one, too, but yeah.
0: Yeah, um, a bunch of stuff. But at the end of the day, they were uh, they were charged with felony assault. It was rumored that DC, or uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, rather, was going to go with one of three options to handle this situation in relativity to The Flash set to come out next summer. Mm-hmm. Option one, no press for Ezra Miller. They release the movie and recast and move forward afterwards with different... Pieces in play, option two. Miller makes an official apology, seeks treatment for any mental health issues they may be having, limited press for the movie, and then they see what happens. Results-based. Option number three, bite the bullet, scratch the project completely. After that report came out, just a day and a half later, coincidence? I think, not. Miller's people (laughs) released a statement saying that they were seeking help for mental issues and will be moving forward, trying to better themselves. Ezra Miller has finally addressed the situation that was a part of option two for WBD. It involved an apology and involved treatment for mental health. So David, it seems like option two is going to be the move. Miller's going to seek help. Limited press for the movie. When it comes out, um, involving Ezra Miller, that is. And then um, see what happens at the box office next. So after all of that, now that it fo- obviously another Ezra Miller incident could pop up at any second. But it seems like be after the DC rumors and the statement released by Ezra Miller, if another incident pops up, it'll be a last straw situation. Yeah. After hearing all of that, knowing we're getting limited press from Miller, where does that put you as far as expectations for The Flash?
2: Man, that's a tough question. Expectations. Uh I'll be honest. um, I'm still relatively excited for this film. Like, It's hard to root for the film right now because of Ezra Miller and everything that's been going on with this situation, but... When it comes to expectations, uh, I still think this is, could be a really good movie, and I think they think it's it is a really good movie because it's been testing well. Uh, that's why it's still going to happen, right? Beyond the fact they spent a ton of money on the movie, uh, this is going to be a PR. I mean, this could be a PR masterclass if this ends up working out, right? Um, I mean, they have an uphill battle, but it's already beginning. This movie comes out next summer, I believe. Right? Uh, yeah, I have that...
0: July sometime.
2: Yeah, I believe next July, they have plenty of time. There's plenty of time for Ezra Miller to, I think, turn around their I don't know, their I don't know the word I guess the best word to use it, but guess how they're looked upon by the public eye. I mm-hmm. think there is actually image. a lot of time. Yeah, their image. Great, great. Um, I think there is a lot of time for this to ha- to get reversed. I-, I know right now no one wants to support this movie, and I don't either. You know, I don't think uh, Ezra Miller's done anything to make me excited for the film, but if they're starting this now and this whole narrative that he's going to get help or they're going to get help, excuse me, and we're going to move forward with the movie, I mean, it's unless something crazy happens and Miller like just loses it and does something really really stupid. If he just stays out of the headlines, keeps his keeps their head down and just goes for it, you know, and like they just go for it they keep them out of the press i think this will still make big bucks and people won't even think about it (laughs) you know and that's just how the world works they just need to keep ezra miller's name out of the headlines push the flash barry allen and go from there
0: yeah it's 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 just double tough when you know the idea of a press tour without your leading actor and and by leading actor i mean the The movie is named The Flash. Like it's not like he's a piece. It's not like he's a part of it. Um, You know, it's 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 a whole it's a whole different world. I think this movie is going to do incredible on opening weekend. Out of curiosity alone, Um, I don't think there's any possible way people don't want to go at least see what happens. I feel like I could sit here and talk about reasons I believe this movie is not going to come together in a good way without mentioning Ezra Miller and you know Ezra Miller's you know uh what is it behind the scenes issues at all you know i mean you could you could not talk about any incident Ezra Miller has been in over the past few months and and i think you could build a pretty good case that you know this movie's going to have issues reshoots the direction of the universe what is this going to do the the hope i have always had and i'm holding out for is that this will be a reset button for the DCEU and out of it will yeah. be some sort of Just, you know, hard refresh, Days of Future Past style um, reset. The only difference is that Days of Future Past was, you know, an all time comic book movie. This does not seem to be piecing up, especially when uh, WBD seems to be moving on from what the Snyderverse was and trying to pivot and guide themselves into a fresh start, new foundation, something that they've never done before. Right, David? Well, yeah. Variety reports that WBd is developing an avenger style Justice League Dark series, brought to you by JJ Abrams. I mean, if you want to do something new and different, you know, rush an avenger style DC project, also put JJ Abrams on it. No one's ever seen that. You know, no one's ever seen so those two fresh things together. Um, <laughs> Brand uh, a new idea. Do you have any sort of excitement for something like that at all?
2: No, and I also just like. What? That's, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't see it happening. You know, like, it doesn't make sense actually,
0: with anything that they've said over the past month. It doesn't make no, any sense.
2: No, right. if that actually happens, I'll be in somewhat of a shock. Like, I get that WB actually is typically known for being a bit, at least they used to be, known as a studio that like, likes to give their creators, like, freedom, you know? And that's how it was with Nolan, and then they pissed off Nolan. This is the old regime. Pissed him off because they put Tenet out, um, you know, when things were when there was it wasn't on HBO Max, but they just released it in theaters. They he, he wanted it in theaters when it was going to. But then they had the whole day and date thing. And now he's at Universal, right, for Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer, whatever you want to say. And now it's like they just don't know what they're doing. This is to me. That's that's what this is saying. It's like what? Who wants this, first of all? And why is this? any part of the direction. And when this is officially announced, if it is, I will be very surprised because I just don't see this being the direction.
0: Yeah. Sports comparison coming up. This is when, this is when uh, a coach or GM of a football team comes out and says like, no, this guy's our quarterback. You know, this guy, you know, we're going to keep him around. We're going to, you know, make sure that he's our starter. But at the same time, they're signing like three backup quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like, like it's them saying one thing and doing exactly the opposite it's just it's not connecting with the the pitch of a fresh start a 10-year plan all this stuff and you know for the first big report after the you know after that settles down to be an avenger style jj abrams project not awesome especially when your most successful projects over the last two years have been two james gunn you know babies and the batman which seems to be all matt reeves Quick Star Wars news Rogue One is coming back in theaters ahead of the Andor release. David, will you be going?
2: Maybe. Uh I just re watched Rogue One very recently. How was but it? Great. So oh my good. gosh, I love Rogue One. It is That's such great. a good movie. Um it's my favorite thing Disney's done with Star Wars. Like it just looks awesome. beautiful. It is perfectly set in the universe. Gosh, they just for what they were doing with Rogue One, the idea of it, they executed that 100% perfectly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Does that make it the best Star Wars movie of all time? No. But for what they were doing, they yes. hit it out of the park. So I might, um, I'm actually, Matt, I think I'm. they're showing um, Back to the Future at a local theater on Sunday. And that's my favorite movie of all time, by the way. I love, love, love Back to the Future. I've read a book about it, I, like the making of it. I am like a nut when it comes to back to the future. And of my first time seeing it in theaters, that reminds me of this. And I'm very excited for that. Um, so I might, is it IMAX release? Yes. Yeah. That might draw me in. I, that's need, to I, that that I, saw I need to check that yeah. out. need to check that out. I saw it on IMAX opening night. Really? I remember specifically, yeah, I remember the day going with a bunch of my buddies. Um, we went and, go, went and saw that. So I could, I could be back. Who knows?
0: Could be back, ladies and gentlemen. That is everything you need to know about the universes you love. We skipped the Star Wars uh, news intro there, but that's okay. We're going to move right on past it. David, it's time. Let's review a show. Ladies and gentlemen, She-Hawk, attorney at law. But there are upsides. Your ass looks crazy right now. This is the best date I've had in a while. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, She-Hawk, attorney at law, starring Tatiana Maslany and Mark Ruffalo as the Hawks involved. Um, it's crazy. You know, the last the last Disney Plus show of phase four, the end of the first Disney Plus era in DMCU. We're very excited to talk about it. David, I want to go to you for go to you first. Your spoiler-free yep. overall thoughts for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode One.
2: Yeah, I would say that my general thoughts are that I really enjoyed this episode. I don't think it is Getting me so excited that I'm like, this is going to be the best thing ever, right? Like Miss Marvel did in a way where I thought that that show right after the first one, um, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my favorite Disney Plus show yet. Spoiler free thoughts, though, is that this show so far one episode in it's what I expected to a certain degree, but it is a fun time. I'm enjoying it so far. I like what they did. I, I like how they handled um, this pilot, I would call it to then set up for what the next eight episodes do. But I'm not at the point where I'm like, this is amazing. This is, you know, earth shattering, but it's good. I'm enjoying it so far.
0: Yeah, I share a lot of those sentiments. I think that it's not necessarily something hyper special, but it is so hyper different. And every time, you know, one of these Disney Plus shows comes out, we get the press junket or whatever, where it like describes what the show is. And every single one has this like, New and interesting, like format or vehicle for telling an MCU story, a political thriller, a time crime travel show, or you know, the WandaVision concept, which was just so crazy, you know, to begin with, and all these different things. But this show, I feel like She Hawk episode one commits to that and is more self aware of that than any show before it. It it doesn't just lean in, it it embraces all of the ridiculous fun little things that it's trying to do being the 30 minute sitcom that it is trying to be. And um, I I think it is such a fun premiere. What I love most about the show is from the jump, the self-awareness and tone setting that it gives to the audience. And, you know, we talk about expectations a lot with Disney plus it being week to week it being so connected to this very intricate universe that we love. Mm -hmm. You really just kind of take a deep breath and relax as soon as the show starts knowing that it's it's supposed to be a good time uh action comedy no comedy action and that's uh the vibe that it's putting off and it's not just putting it off it's throwing yeah. in your face and I think it's working in a very weird specific way and I'm excited to uh talk more about it week after week ladies and gentlemen let's dive into spoilers now you want to get nuts come on
1: let's get
0: all right. New review format. We're going to break down what worked about She-Hulk episode one. One at a time, me and David, we're going to go through the good popcorn from episode one, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. David, let's go to you first. Talk to me about Tatiana Maslany. Yeah,
2: Tatiana Tatiana, excuse me, yeah. Mazlani. Um, I hadn't seen her in much before this, honestly. Uh, so it was kind of an introduction of this actress to me. Obviously, her introduction to the MCU. She is great. I think she's a delight. I think her and Mark Ruffalo's um, relationship and chemistry in this is very. It works immediately, and it works throughout the entire episode. And I want it, part of me with this performance and her relationship chemistry with Ruffalo makes me think, dang. I want this to be like a She-Hulk and Hulk show, you know, Mm -hmm. in a a sense, right? Because I love, that's like my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the show. And so far, Maslani, I think, kills it. I think she does a great job of, she's got this just like dry kind of wit to her. Um, It comes very naturally. She doesn't seem forced in her like kind of sarcasm and like really being a a woman lawyer. I feel like she kind of owns that. It's like a part of her personality that she's like, very upfront about and what the show is kind of show what the show is showing us right um what it's kind of telling us uh and i think maslani's doing a great job so far
0: yeah i'm i'm in the same boat as you i've, I've never seen her in anything but um so much charisma and confidence without being too overconfident or overly charismatic you know what i mean yeah. like it, it seems effortless you know with the vibe she's giving off i agree across the board on that um you know my my first good popcorn is going to be you know, just the way that, like I said earlier, the tone setting right away with this show. We get our first fourth wall break uh, right after her speech um, mm. she's giving, and it. I you see this is something that after the first time I saw this episode, about a week ago, uh, week ago, um, I <laughs> real after after the fact, I was like, wow, this show really just laid out all the origin stuff right in front of us. And then at the very end, just sends us off into now the day in the life of uh, Jennifer Walters. Right. And I realized that after my first time watching my second time watching something, I didn't realize she says that right away in the first fourth wall break, she says, you're right. I'm a Hawk. It's probably going to be distracting. So let's go over exactly how that happened before we get in before we get back into this fun lawyer show. I love how yeah. blunt they were with it. It seems so you know obvious or whatever that, oh my God, they told us exactly what they're gonna do. The balls to actually tell us exactly what you're gonna do when it's something so crazy. It makes yeah. what what would feel like a rushed kind of, you know, just like hand-waving origin it for whatever reason makes it work and it makes it just feel like a natural part of the show and i think the decision to just bluntly say that right away for whatever reason just makes it all worth it when when at the end of the day 30 minutes one origin that's a pretty impressive feat something i was pretty excited to see um yeah. another, another thing uh we were excited to see bruce banner back in the MCU, back as Smart Hawk, the Bruce and Jen relationship, the cousins. Uh, David, how how did that really come across in this first episode?
2: Yeah, I buy it immediately how they're cousins. <laughs> just like when they're driving in the car, you can just yeah. kind of like sense that relationship. It, it feels natural, which is something that doesn't always happen in these kinds of shows. I think it's because both the actors are very personable. You know they're not intense actors in that sense. They're very kind of like they seem like genuine people. Mark Ruffalo specifically in this, um, yes. before he's Smart Hulk, just seems like Mark Ruffalo. Like he almost doesn't seem like he's acting, but it's in a good way. It's in a way that I think it makes sense because he isn't interacting with the Avengers. It's his family. It's, it's his cousin. Like you know, and he's had this crazy life. He's just you know, it, it's this unbelievable scientist, and obviously being the Hulk and it's just an interesting relationship. And I love how it develops throughout the what one thing I wanted to point out with the actual kind of like plot of the story of the show is how obviously, you know, the the blood, the accident happens. The blood seeps over. Um, yeah. She gets, you know, she becomes a Hulk. Um, And then we get to the whole like training kind of section of he's got all this information, which is awesome. I want to get to the relationship, though, st- sticking with that. Is that when it's time for her to go and she wants to leave, I love how what I buy into with these two characters. And it's shocking that I do within just 30 minutes is that I so buy into the fact that Bruce just like has found another. He keeps using like we and us like as hulks. And he's like, I I don't want you can tell he doesn't want her to leave. You know, he doesn't want her to go back to her normal life. It's not that she's not ready that he doesn't want to. And the fact that I was emotionally invested in that in 30, 25 minutes, practically up to that point, um, was a very well job, uh, job well done. And what's crazy, Matt, is there was news out today that the head writer said that initially the origin was going to be in episode eight and they were just going to jump to it and then wait for the um whole origin story in episode eight. So it's cool how you mentioned how you liked how they started off with that immediately. They address it. Fourth wall break. Cause they almost didn't do it at all. Yeah. And I am very happy. I'm with you. I'm so happy. They chose this direction. Cause I agree with their concerns. I would have been one of those guys. like, man, I want to know how she got here. You know? Um, I want to know how, and I like how we just start off with that. It, yeah. it felt, it was just the setup episode. And I loved it.
0: Right. And, and I think that it, that really plays into the ending of this episode feeling like such a, you know, bam, 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 like a, like a little sitcom action show. And I think it plays into that because we just got the full origin. Now we can recommit to what this show is going to be moving forward while also getting a great, it's, I just think it's such an inspired choice to, um, this is a, this is a tale of things we've seen before not being retreaded again, because I feel like if they tried to do the silly fourth wall sitcom, and also this intense MCU origin story, not even that it was that intense, but if they tried to like do both at the same time and not commit fully into one or the other, it would have really played off as just kind of weird pacing and just retreading kind of the style of these origin stories that we've seen so far. This is a bold choice, yeah. it's a creative choice, and I, and I respect that a lot. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, what What do you have? What's your next piece of good popcorn, if you have anything? I'm,
0: I'm going to stick with uh, Bruce and Jen here. I like the Hulk okay. storytelling here. You mentioned it. He's got all this information. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's got all this knowledge. And it's just you can tell right away that Jen is more advanced than Bruce ever thought she could be. And I think that the right. way they use what we know about the Hulk to um, kind of put a spotlight on how far along Jen is as a Hulk. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think they use that really well to give us a sense of, oh, you know, she's already got a hang of the dual personality thing. She's already got a good sense of her body and strength and speed and balance and all these things. And Mm -hmm. it just, it it puts her in a spot to where, uh, you know, I keep coming back to it again. When When we get to the courtroom and moving forward, in the next couple of weeks, where you know we've seen in the trailer, she's going to be the Hulk lawyer in a suit and like in the public talking to people. I now looking back at those trailers, I, I buy into her being a walking, living day to day Hulk because they did such a good job explaining just how much further along she is in her mm-hmm. you know first couple months than Bruce was back in the day. And I I didn't even think about it, but you're right; it really does feel like Bruce is upset that she's leaving because finally someone else that he can share his journey with that would and maybe could understand, but not so yeah. much, not so much with old gin Walters. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting to me because you can tell he almost in a way wants her to have that 15 year journey, yeah. but she's not going to, you know, he like, he thinks cause he is the only one that's suffered through this and it's really been a, you know, he suffered mm-hmm. being the Hulk. It's just so interesting to me that you can almost tell he longs for someone else to relate right. to, and he kind of gets it here. He gets it like sixty percent, but not that like that terrible last forty percent. Mm-hmm. It's it is cool how um, Jennifer Walters. It makes her a, a unique character because she's not just a Hulk. She there was something different there. Mm-hmm. She is a she adapted to it much better for whatever reason, and that's not going to be explained. You know mm-hmm. how would you explain that? It doesn't. It doesn't need to be. It's just oh. She just, for whatever reason, can control it a lot better. Um, she can be, she's conscious when she's the Hulk. Yeah. Um, she's already kind of, she's like, in a way, exactly what you'd want to be if you were, a, if you got the Hulk ability. Yeah. In and control, you know, conscious the entire time.
0: Yeah. And they use Bruce over and over to get that message across. You know, we're treading in new territory. This is way, Further on than I expected, he he literally rips out a page out of the book because she's so much farther along, and yeah. I just I, I buy it, and I think that's a really good um, decision that they made. Another great decision they made, in my opinion, is you know explaining the Smart Hulk thing and, and all of the different ways to bring Bruce and Smart Hulk back into the fold. David, uh, how did you how do you think they did reintroducing Bruce Banner?
2: Dude, I thought this was amazing character development so far for just bruce banner hulk like it was so cool to hear the backstory finally of where this gamma lab is right the 18 months in the lab putting the brains Uh, and the bronze together like ah finally we get it's this remote island in mexico he's got his little bar and killer this is where the mcu shines the discussion of him and tony being uh, there you know he helped out a lot of this is his um, the, 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 TS on the bar table, like, damn, man, it, it's just so good. You could tell like Bruce was pretty beat up about it. like, he misses them. He just, and he just misses his friend. It's not like the rest of the world. It's not like Peter Parker where it's like, he misses his mentor and he's supposed to be like the next iron man and far from home. Um, it's just, he misses his friend, like buddy. Bruce Banner and Tony Stark were just straight up friends, um, <laughs> kind of above everything else. And I, you can just, you can really feel that in the performance from Ruffalo here I want more. I'm so worried he's gone. <laughs> you know, like I'm so worried we're not going to get back to him for a while. Cause like I said this at the beginning, I would love to just keep seeing these two together. Uh, maybe we will at some point, but at the end of this episode, it doesn't seem like that's the direction we're going. Obviously the, the name of the show is she Hulk, which is even like joked at in one of the recent trailers or like little teases. Like remember who you show this is. Um, Cause I'm sure cameos yeah. galore coming up, but um. Yeah, I thought they did such a great job. And you mentioned like having all the research on himself, the full circle understanding right. and retrospect on his own life so was just cool. fun to hear him talk about. And it's cool to see, you know, from the very beginning to he, I mean, literally, he explains to her like all his stages. And it's just a really great job done by the MCU of bringing back a legacy character, like, you know, a, an OG Avenger like the Hulk. It really, Gives this show to me, at least this episode specifically, a certain weight to it. Like, man, this is really vital for the MCU because I deeply care about this character and I want to learn more. And it makes me helps me, you know, now care about right. Jen Walters going forward.
0: Yeah, I think I think they've really gotten into a groove of using established characters to help introduce newer characters. We've seen it in Yelena Belova, we've seen it in Kate Bishop, and now here with yeah. Jim Walters. I think that there's a really good... Uh, they're in a good stride utilizing what they've built to help mold what they're going to do. Um, yeah, with, yeah. You know, 30-something projects now uh, out yeah. and about in the MCU. Uh, I, think like, I
2: think it's the 37th, right?
0: 37th, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, if you if you count what if, it's 38, I believe. Um, but oh, they, really? they've, okay. they've separated animation and live action like officially now. So yeah. it's, it's almost like a different sector. But... Um, Yeah, my last little piece of good popcorn uh, I talked about earlier, just kind of not doing, you know, just something we've seen over and over again. Her opening speech, um, the first line in the entire show is, um, you know, what is the responsibility of those with great power? Is it simply Mm. is it simply the decision or uh, the restraint to not use it uh, for their own advantage? Just to have that be the crux of her opening argument for whatever this case is going to end up being, um, you know, with uh, you know whoever she's going against here in this courtroom, f- for that to be her over- overarching argument, and then at the end of the day, her her only worry in life is to not use this power to change her life, but just go back to what's normal and choose not to use the great power. So I think it's a fun twist okay. on something that we've seen in origin stories all the time. Think about it. You know, we we just got a superhero origin story where at the it's still at the end of the day, the main character does not want to be the superhero. You know, and I mean that's that's a fresh spin that we really haven't gotten a lot of lately, which is exciting. Um, let's move yeah. on. Let's move on to the burnt popcorn. You know, what 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 maybe wasn't <laughs> the best parts of this show? You know, what what slopes do we have amongst the mini peaks? It sounds like, you know, it, it seems like something we all liked. Um, David, you know, some different nitpicks we might have um one small one for me hulk's reaction to Jin becoming a hulk seemed very laissez-faire you know what i mean mm. this is jen's right this is a life-altering thing and being a superhero comes with a lot of negativity as far as if you enjoyed your life beforehand and you know she's she's a lawyer she spent all this money at law school <laughs> and yeah. uh, so just It's not that like they played it off as a joke. Hulk seemed concerned. I wish there was a little more devastation um, with Bruce, um, you know, knowing how rough this life is. But, um, you know, it's I feel like he maybe took on a little bit more of, Okay, I'm going to make this as good for you as it can be. There's no time to be sad about it because it's happening. It's here. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I hadn't thought of it, but that's actually a really great point. Um, <laughs> it's so true. Kind of just like, I guess the argument against like the counter is just that by the time we see him react, it's like a distant, a distance later, like some time has passed where maybe he's like had over. some. Yeah, he's had a little more time to accept it. Like, oh, and he's going to act a little more calm to her. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. That's a little, it's a little weird. It does. I mean, it's funny you mentioned it earlier how like, the pace of it is quick, but it's not done in a bad way. But the pace of it still is quick. Like this is a fast yeah. origin story. You're gonna
0: lose you know? a little bit of meat when you're moving this fast. That's
2: yeah, sure. and I d- and I don't love. It's very. I mean, it's different than the comics. The or the literal origin of how she gets the. You know, and and I don't love it personally. It's fine. Yeah. It- it's totally like whatever. You know, like th- there's no real like point to it. I guess like it- instead of just like introducing this character, um. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's what it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. A spaceship coming in the middle of the road. That's well,
2: we'll that was sick. We'll see. where yeah.
0: goes. we'll see. Right. We'll see where we end up with that, because that's not nothing.
2: That's, no, um, no, no. Yeah. Not that part. It was just like the, the whole like car crash. Sure. It, like the, he gets her blood on him the actual, or other way around. The
0: actual, like the blood falling into a cut. On her <laughs> yeah, right. that's,
2: it's a little whatever. silly. A little it comic a little book. Silly. But that's but again, OK. The
0: pacing allows for that to be a distant memory for us now, <laughs> just like with yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, David, the courtroom scene, a little bit of Burt popcorn for you.
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll be honest. And it makes me concerned for episode two, like at the end of the day, because I really loved the like I mentioned with my what really worked, Bruce and Jennifer on that island, figuring it out, talking with Smart Hulk a lot, a lot of Mark Ruffalo. And then. I like the idea of her being a lawyer and like the the cases she could be having. Like, I love the idea of it being a law, um, you know, a law show. And she keeps saying that mm-hmm. <laughs> in the fourth wall break. It's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's a lawyer show. But then we get this action scene at the very end, which is just like, what's going on? I don't know. I, it, it just happens so abruptly. I, mean, I guess it like had to happen for the plot. But who's the what's the girl's name that comes in? Um,
0: uh, Titiana. Is the character's name Jamila Jamil?
2: Okay. Her. (laughs) When she busts in, I mean, we'll get an explanation, I'm sure. She just busts in. It's like, what the hell's going on? She, like, floats in the air for a second with one of the most obscure, like, on a wire shots I've seen (laughs) in a MCU project. And, I mean, there's a slight little fight scene, but I'm just (laughs) like, oof. It didn't it didn't stick the landing for me or in that moment. Like I overall like the episode, but like the ending, I'm like, I'm curious where this goes, because that wasn't great, <laughs> you know, in my opinion, like that was fine. um, But like, what's the action going to be like? What's where's the plot leading? I thought it was interesting in this show. It's like it really just gave us the origin, kind of sets up some things. We get the Sakar plane. Obviously, that's like a that seems you know, that that's a big deal. Um, but then like for the actual, we don't really know where it's heading, which it can be exciting, but I just didn't love um, that ending in the courtroom. That's all
0: right. And, and for me, just based on the trailers, like like you said, she even referenced the amount of cameos that are already confirmed to be in the show, let alone the ones that we don't know about yet. Right. And I just think that, you know, we call it monster of the week, you know, when it's Mandalorian, but I I think it's going to have a little bit of like weekly turnover as far as like the actual plot and what's happening a lot like a network TV show. And I think that, yeah, that I think that's a part of the commitment and it's going to be jarring at first. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like these shows are often so based on the week to week mystery and the heavy dramatic themes um you know that they come with and it's worked out great overall obviously the wandavision mystery was something we all thoroughly enjoyed week by week falcon winter soldier loki the same thing um i i think this is going to i think that little scene at the end you know how cartoony it was is just another in your face message from the creators being like hey this is going to be a network style show we're committing to that here we go kind of thing and um I don't yeah. know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see next week based on the trailers, though. It really does feel like that weekly courtroom drama thing. And I think that was an example of it. But I agree. Her bursting through that wall, the Kool-Aid Man thing. Power Ranger stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like for that. And
2: the, be... the flying kick. It's yeah, just like but what by it didn't, then it didn't the music had kicked up a
0: little bit. By then, it's like true. hardcore Raimi Spider-Man vibes in the theme you know like very heroic you know very yeah just just, but in this setting it comes off as cartoony
2: (laughs) yeah it's i wonder if that's because we get a we get a taste of it in this episode but i wonder going forward if like that's gonna be like how it is like super like campy but like they own it in a way you know where like it's supposed to be that style you know Mm -hmm. because the thing is earlier when there's action between which we haven't talked about when the hulks are fighting, mm-hmm. freaking awesome! Good like time. that was that was sick action, and that's mm-hmm. why I think it was most going from that, which was normal. Like I say, normal, like st- kind of more standard MCU proper, like CGI monsters fighting action, and it was really cool. And just them jumping around and doing all these things, they looked great. To like this weird courtroom, and she's like punches him, and it's like do 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 like oh, next week on, You know, it's exactly like, yeah <laughs> yeah, I, and I am I am. I'm mixed. I do and I don't embrace it. I actually think it's pretty cool. I think I tweeted it um when I kind of had my reaction tweet of just like how I liked it. But like it, it genuinely feels like the first MCU show properly makes like a network television show. You know, and and they're embracing that. I'm just curious, which leads to kind of my next point, is the stakes. Yeah. Right? It, it, this show so far felt very uh th- going with the motions, I guess, but in a fun way to begin with, but in a sense, I don't have any sense of fear for my character quite yet, which is fine. I don't have to have one in episode one, but to compare it to something like Falcon, soldier or moon Knight or even miss Marvel to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like this is going in an interesting direction where I'm not sure I'm going to at any point point be like, I'm so worried about Jen right now, you know, and we're in episode one. And I, and I, so it's a huge preface, you know, like there's so much time left, but so far I don't feel the stakes of the show. And maybe the stakes will m- mainly be on the law side, right. right? On like the political end of things. Maybe yeah. it's not a physical punch, punch, punch. I'm, you know, you know, I, I don't want to fall off a cliff kind of like stakes. Maybe it's I don't want to lose this case because it's going to be, it's going to affect the future of the MCU. Like, right. Maybe they're amending the Accords in a certain different way or, you know, like something like that that's going to have a ripple effect heading into Phase 5. Mm-hmm. I actually would embrace... That would be really cool because that's different, you know. We're so used to, I think, having to kind of worry, oh, we know they're not going to die, but you worry about their health and you don't want them to, you know, you don't want them to die, obviously. But so far, um, didn't feel the stakes, but that'll probably change.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we can just kind of... I I like the idea of it being a more, you know, like courtroom style stakes where like week by week, it's more so what's going on around her than some like overarching. I think the director just came out with a quote today, like the overarching plot of the show might not be. And you also got to think about like the, the quantity of the show as well. These are shorter episodes, but there's also nine of them. So, you know, when you think about it, like we're we're by the end of next week after episode two. We will have gotten as much story as we would have gotten in one episode of Miss Marvel or one episode of Falcon Winter Soldier, especially those being an hour long each. So, like you know, the pacing of the overall series also is going to feel different. It's 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 exciting to me just because it is so different and new and uh, fresh compared to you know Moon Knight, Hawkeye, Loki. You know, maybe not so much Hawkeye, but like Moon Knight, really, just for me felt like they were trying to recreate the, the mystery and drama that we got in maybe a low-key Falcon Winter Soldier Vision Like, that trio really yeah it hit all the notes of what they were trying to do. Moon Knight just felt a little um, trite where this, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes after episode one. Um, obviously, I can't talk too much more about it. <laughs> um, uh, moving over, let's <laughs> yeah. move in, you know, let's get into the top plays. From She-Hawk episode one, our favorite scenes or moments from the show. David, hit me with your first one.
2: Yeah, I'm going to hit you with one that I haven't mentioned yet because I don't want to keep repeating myself. So one that I have not said is that the scene where Jen has been in the car accident gets to the bar yeah. gets all cleaned up then get standing outside <laughs> the and guys start hitting <laughs> yeah that part was funny that part was really funny and then the guys start hitting on her outside and you, get, you get that you know that 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 there's that feeling right mm. that, all of a sudden you feel like the tone the vibe shift that is the scene you know speaking about my last kind of nitpick is like there's stakes right there mm. that's where it's like i have fear for my main character right now and i loved her hulking out for a second you know like that was a genuine like i don't know this ability and she just hulks out mm-hmm. you know and, and then boom cut right yeah i thought that was a really cool moment and a cool way to introduce um She-Hulk, she's Hulk. i guess yeah yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah um something i didn't notice the first time i watched did you notice that it's bruce that tackles her and cuts her out of the scene yeah very cool yeah i figured
2: cool. see that's what's funny is you mentioned like you didn't you weren't sure if you saw it the first time i honestly wasn't positive i just figured that was what it was so we're going with that yeah
0: yeah and we had just we had just had a wake up after a blackout scene as well so like to get one back to back oh like, whoa um i think it was supposed to happen though i can't believe we haven't brought it up yet the post credit scene might be the best post oh my scene gosh my uh captain america fucks might be my new religion like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that whole bit I thought was great. This is just another example. We saw it in WandaVision. we saw it in Miss Marvel, and we've seen it across the MCU that the people who aren't superheroes in this universe look at the Avengers and other superheroes just like the way we do. Like, you know, we we piece together their stories and like the way they've established the, uh, the movies on the back of the plane um, in Far From Home and the History Channel and the Rogers, the musical. They know just okay. as much as we do, and they are asking the same questions. Has Captain America lost his virginity? And the, <laughs> the way they pieced it together, the way they used Bruce to do it, and then at the very end when it's revealed that it was a USO, uh, somebody he met on a USO tour in 1943, Captain America fucked. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah i I texted you that was an s tier post-credit scene like that was on that is that is up there like that was the funniest thing they're they're drunk and and drunk quote-unquote they're not also great (laughs) yeah
0: it's just so good and then
2: i love it's just it, it kind of adds to the effect that like you know the hulk knows more than he's let like bruce knows all these probably like secrets about the avengers because they're they're friends you know so he He knows the little tidbit like he wasn't diving into it in the car before the car crashed. Cause like, you know, he's not trying to just like say that casually. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, Next top (laughs) play. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Next top play, David.
2: Yeah. My next top play. um, I already mentioned it was the fight scene between the two hulks. Yeah. Um, I loved the action. I thought it was so cool. And they started kind of throwing down a little bit, seeing their powers go back and forth. The big Hulk clap, right? And then Jen figuring it out. Thunderclap, um, man. Thunderclap is back. It was cool, honestly, seeing um, because I feel like in some ways we don't get to see too much in Endgame of the Hulk really like being smart Hulk, but actually being like a little pissed while he's fighting. You know, he his main role in that movie is this new new introduction, right. brain, the 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 snap is critical. And then we don't really get too much in that final fight scene of seeing the Hulk do anything too Hulky, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it was just cool seeing like where there's a future of this this character in the MCU of like he's with, he's conscious of himself, but he can still, you know, uh, unlock and untap that Hulk rage, but in a more controlled manner. So I like that the idea of that. And I like seeing that.
0: Absolutely. Um another top play I had was just a small little touch that they had. The size of the desk in the lab when uh when Jen walks up to it, not as a hawk, it's like up to her eyeballs, like the desk just because <laughs> it has to be taller. And then when she becomes she hawk as a normal size desk, I, I thought that was a nice little design touch in the uh in the yeah. lab. Good stuff. Uh do you got any more? Any more uh you know, quick top plays? I was just gonna no, say the, I haven't bar, the bar scene. Um, you know, just when they're talking about Tony and just how they built the jar. You mentioned how we carved in T S and Tim Gettys, friend of the show, said this on their uh review of the episode this morning. It's like it you feel Robert Downey Jr. when you see TS carved into the thing. Like what what a thing Tony would do was carve his name into it and stuff like that. I thought that was yeah. all very well done. Um, and those have been your top plays. Let's let's go back into the film room now. Let's let's review. Production wise, I'm I'm not going to pitch it to any open thoughts, I don't think, because it's the CGI conversation. I think it needs to be had, needs to be confronted right here up front. We're about to have a CGI draft where we praise a lot of really great CGI in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. David, we haven't talked about it at all. Overall, your thoughts on the CGI now that it is printed episode one.
2: So the reason we haven't talked about it at all all, is because I thought it was perfectly good, perfectly fine and not distracting. Who the hell cares? This is like, honestly, if we have production notes, when we dive into the film room, weeks two through nine, I hope I never bring up CGI because today I'm not. I have no reason to bring it up right now. Like, I genuinely, it was not distracting. Bruce looks amazing, as we've talked about. And Jen looked good. Her Mm -hmm. her face was detailed there, like. Clearly, they've been working on it from teaser one, just like we've all said, right? These are c- computer graphics. It doesn't like it's not going to be the exact same on a YouTube file than when we finally get the premiere. So, honestly, I have no qualms with it. I thought it looked good the entire way. Nothing stuck out to me besides that lady with the flying kick.
0: Yeah. And, and I <laughs> that think was that really was CGI. Su- I think I was supposed to be played off as like a 70s comic book. Bam, bam, yeah. bam. You know, like I'm uh adam west (laughs) you see the word pow pop up (laughs) that would be they should go that far that'd be awesome yeah would have been sick i think you know a big green pow or smash (laughs) it would have been smash is what it would have been smash yeah um uh yeah as far as the cgi um and i think i'll mention this in our draft coming up here soon uh for me like it just what you said the fact that we're not talking about it means that it's great it's an offensive line when the offensive line of a football team is doing really well, you never hear about them. But as soon as they do bad, it's the only thing people talk about. And CGI, as long as it doesn't yeah. take you out of it, it's a success. Anything beyond that is just icing on icing on the cake. The only thing that I ever notice about the CGI is when the coloring of She-Hawk like, – the hue of her green isn't quite as consistent as what they've done with Bruce. They've made Bruce more yellow as the years have gone on. Obviously Mm. still very green, but it's a much more muted, desaturated green with She-Hawk. There are certain moments specifically in the courtroom where she just, she's a little brighter. She's a little bit more of like a a, a four leaf clover, leprechaun kind of green that um, she isn't when she's on the Island in Mexico. So that's the only thing that really I noticed at all about the CGI was just a little bit of inconsistency in the color. But there are multiple moments in this episode, especially my second time watching, where they're having just great dialogue conversation and you just kind of forget that these are computer generated. My second time watching it, I enjoyed the graphics or uh, I appreciated the CGI way more. The first time it didn't Mm. bother me. The second time I appreciated it. So. Like we said last week in the primer, I think this is going to be something that our eyes will be trained to um, accept more and more. And by the time that we're all there two, three weeks from now, good CGI is going to seem really exciting and like you said, baseline, just don't be bad. And that's what we're looking for. Uh yeah. moving, moving forward, uh, David, you know, honesty podcast, right? I've seen the screeners of this show. I know what the next three episodes entail. So this these moving forward segments will very much be me asking David questions um for yeah. the next few weeks. David, Sakarian ship, it's a leisure vessel. You know, uh Grandmaster uses it for parties, orgies and stuff. Um, we got <laughs> we got a Sicarian ship causing the car crash. Uh Bruce does mention it. He says, you know, it's a Sicarian whatever ship, um, probably trying to transmit a message. I gotta look into that later and just brushes it off very MCU again, 30 yes. episode. Um, but he's going to look into it later. What do you think that could mean for Bruce and Sakar?
2: Yeah, I mean. The, the ceiling here is like he has to go back into space for some Hell reason. Yeah. right? Like that would be awesome if he had to go back up there and like he, you know, he takes off in one of these episodes and be like we don't know next time we're going to see him in the MCU. Pff, sign me up for that. Um, on the like on the, the, the floor, I think it's pretty low too because it could just be <laughs> basically nothing. Um, it, could just be, <laughs> it could be a little oh, wink, nod, right? I was in space up there at the cigar. Um. So, yeah, I think I hope it is something that will be very exciting and set up maybe a future Hulk story, right. but it could be nothing or it could be completely resolved in this series. Um, That'd be cool, too. Maybe there is some sort of exterior threat from space. I don't know. I, it was a very specific pointed way to have that car crash happen. Like we mentioned, like having that be the ship that arrives, it's pretty crazy when you think about it, how we're just having, there's just basically aliens um, (laughs) on earth, you know, uh, just looking for one person. So we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping it reaches the ceiling, not so much the floor, but I don't have crazy high expectations.
0: It's probably going to fall somewhere right in the middle, right? (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. I I think it becomes a immediate post-credit candidate, Right. What happens with yeah. the Sakarian ship? Um, yeah. Very, very exciting stuff moving forward. Um, and, you know, just from a Star Wars ideology, David, that two years that Hulk was on Sakar, untapped. You know what I mean? Tons of potential to tell a story there. Star Wars does it every single day. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's Goes true. back and finds a small segment of time to make a movie about. So, um, yeah. The other thing we've already talked about a little bit, David, just what are your expectations moving forward? You know, we talked about how there isn't any sense of series plot yet because this was and they blatantly said it origin. Now we're on to the show. This was very much a prelude, right? You know, this felt like a prelude um where it's do you pilot
2: think... it feels like a pilot mm-hmm.
0: yeah and and you know? Good. good tv good popcorn um yeah you know as far as like what jin's day-to-day life is going to be moving forward what are you expecting um how do you expect episode 2 to kind of start where do you expect jin's mindset to be um as far as being a superhero lawyer
2: yeah i'm i i think the first thing that's going to probably happen is that there's going to be some sort of like um media about it like there's going to be news right yeah. there's going to be news about like This new hulk how it's she hulk how it's this lawyer and then that leads to the um i keep forgetting what they're going to be calling it but like the the superhero Superhero division division superhero law division abomination tim roth like that's where i see this going in episode two where it it goes from this you know she punches the girl she's going to be in jail whatever we don't care but now it's this wait a second we've got this lawyer who's also a superhero can control her powers and now she's going to be representing superheroes, like, because from the trailers it seemed like they they want her to be the head of this. Yeah, she. Yeah, they want her to be the face of this uh, superhero law division, and that sounds awesome to me, dude. Um, that sounds like a great direction. I am curious just how this continues, right? Like how we keep moving forward, because like you said, we don't know where we're going right now. There's a lot of different directions we know based on the trailers, some ideas like I just kind of laid out, but. Other than that, where the investments are, right? Where I'm invested, what I care about right now. Besides just like having a good time watching the show, I'm curious where that goes.
0: Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting. I love the line that Bruce had: "Once they see you as a monster, that doesn't go away." And yeah, it'll be interesting one. to see how the public receives Jen. And if anything has, if anything has, you know, been proven to us so far, Jen's doing this better than Bruce ever did. And, you know, I think the public image side of it is going to play into that as well. Very excited to see what happens next week. She-Hawk episode two will it keep up with its episode one performance, which I would consider uh, delightfully, surprisingly good uh, is what a lot of people are saying. You know, I mean, it's surprisingly really good. And I'm excited for that moving forward. Um, We'll see you next time next week. She-Hawk episode two. But for now, David. Let's talk a little bit more about CGI. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the greatest visual artists of all time and their work with Marvel Studios in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's draft time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the direct draft, big draft coming up today, David. And for a big draft, we got to bring in the big guns, the big man, the big beard, the machine. Ladies and gentlemen, the Direct.com's very own Richard Nevins. Richard, how are we doing?
1: Doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, Got the beard rocking and I'm ready to go. See, the mustache is what's getting me. It's huge.
2: Dude, (laughs) that beard is rocking. This is an audio podcast, but ladies and gentlemen, Richard's got a mountain man beard going on. (laughs) That thing is getting ferocious. You know the pink
0: that they have that's like the purest of black that makes a rube look like a nothing? (laughs) That's kind of what your beard looks
1: like. <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, the the dark hair on me is strong with this one. Yes. If it's
0: <laughs> dude, That's if it's much. if
2: it's December and you and you uh, were to dye that like white, Old you'd be Santa. a great Santa.
0: All time Santa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, pretty much what happens with me is I shave it off. I go full the Santa Claus, and it comes back in like a week. <laughs> Love that. I I'm can't grow facial hair school. at all. I'm very jealous. <laughs>
2: Me and David just did the very
0: same insecure facial hair thing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Direct Podcast. Um, big one today. There's been a lot of talk lately about the CGI and visual effects process of Marvel Studios. I do just want to say, as a graphic artist myself, um, the working conditions for these visual effects artists seem to not be great. And it's something we need to approve, something we need to work on. They are a pillar of blockbuster movies, visual effects artists, and um, they need to be taken care of. So in honor of that, we will be drafting the best CGI moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, here's the thing. Elephant in the room. Not all CGI is great on Final Render. You can pause any CGI scene in any movie and find an imperfection. It's not always going to be awesome. That's kind of the, you know, uh, live by the sword, die by the sword of computer generated graphics. Um, I was going to put a category in here um, for CGI miss or a bad CGI moment. I thought that could have been really fun to talk about. But in light of all the visual effects artists, Stories that have been coming out lately. We're going to focus on the positive. We're going to praise these artists. We're going to talk about the best of CGI. Now, that does not mean somebody, if somebody picks a CGI moment or character that isn't awesome, we'll make sure that uh, those opinions are heard as well. Nebens, David, our first fantasy style draft here on The Direct Podcast. There will be four categories, four positions If that is a better comparison for you, we will be drafting, each of us will be drafting one CGI character, one CGI location or environment, one visual effect, such as Wonder Woman's glowing lasso in the Justice League and Wonder Woman movies, and one CGI scene, a scene that was made better due to the overall CGI and visual effects. We'll be drafting one of each of those positions. In no order. So you piece together your team, take the best player available, and we'll go forward from that. We did a random generator. I got screwed on it. I blame the machines. I blame Richard. Oh. (laughs) I
1: I guess you can go. I guess you can. Uh, I I got to take the machine name with honor.
0: (laughs) And I will. Uh, The order will be Richard, David, Matt, Snake Draft, of course. Richard, big one here. First pick of the official CGI draft for the Marvel Cinematic universe
1: all right this is a big one and uh i think this pick is going to be a universally agreed upon one um i'm gonna go with cgi character full cgi character and i can't go with anybody but the mcu's best cgi character yet the mad titan thanos yeah um i mean i i cannot go anywhere other than that obviously the snap he's got it i mean you look at the way they did Thanos and I'm going especially with Avengers Infinity War cuz he looked pretty good I will say in um in Avengers and Age of Ultron both of the post credit scene and they hadn't cast Josh Brolin yet until the post credit scene of um, um before the post credit scene of Ultron but when you look at him in Avengers Infinity War you would not believe that that is an actual CGI creation because he looks so good In the movie itself, I mean, especially with all the different environments that they use him in. I mean, you look at him on um, the sanctuary ship when he comes to Earth later in the movie, the skin tone, the textures on him. And you can see Josh Brolin's performance come through in this in this character who's nine and a half feet tall, 500 pounds. Um, I just think it's absolutely incredible. It's probably Marvel's best CGI accomplishment to date. I got to go, Thanos.
0: Um, yeah i think thanos is the easy 101 here um i think that he is the best cgi character on the board for sure um you know the i guess the biggest obvious knock is that there is a meme based on you know bad cgi for thanos you know you pause it mm-hmm. on that eyes wide open shot if you pause it right there it looks tough but um there's so much good in the thanos character and it's just i think a big part of it is that he's in so much of the movie and it plays overall in a big way it's a big volume play we talked about it in the she hulk review and i talked about it last week talking about the trailers um in the primer the the issues that i come up with with the she hulk cgi is the inconsistency in the coloring and like in some environments she looks more cartoony than in other environments because her skin color thanos like you mentioned richard all the different colors and environments that they surround him with all just complement what he is as a purple skinned alien and it just it's it's through the roof and uh like you said Brolin's performance really comes through in um that movie and I think it's a it's a feat of uh CGI and visual effects Thanos
2: dude I totally agree uh like you said one of uh one oh one he's the Jonathan Taylor of this draft um he should be going number one in all of these drafts like he just it shouldn't work as well as it does. For everything you both just said, um, the performance shining through in the environments, you don't even bat an eye at it. You actually like that's. This is one of those CGI moments where you like you praise it after mm-hmm. leaving the theater, like holy shit, he looked great. Like you, it wasn't distracting. You know, sometimes CGI things Snoke, Let's say in like Star yeah. Wars, ah, you know, it looks good, but at the you can tell it's not. He's not really there. Those
0: guy, he's an angel. Yeah, guy. exactly. exactly. Like, like,
2: Thanos just looks awesome all the time. They perfected it through those trial runs, Avengers, Guardians, Age of Ultron, um, and nailed it when awesome. he hit infinity
0: war. I agree. Awesome. All right, David. Second pick, very important because I'm nervous. Just gonna be honest, because it's gonna be open <laughs> hands here, palms out. I'm nervous.
1: David We next. do Thanos was going one, so we'll I'll see where this one goes. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Dude, there is a lot to take from here. Um like I had Thanos number one. Like I I had the number one pick that would have been mine or if Richard hadn't chosen that. What's interesting about this draft is how I can go anywhere I want. You know, I can go character. I can do this. I can do that. What I'm going to do, and I believe I'm doing this correctly. I'm going to go with a CGI scene. And I'm going with none other than my my friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in a little movie called Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and it yeah. is the crazy, yep. wacky, loony, Mysterio, let's go scene where Jake Gyllenhaal's voiceover is just scaring yep. the living daylights out of Peter Parker with every little move. There's even the moment where you think it's real, then it's not. I specifically think of when he gets stuck in the globe and yeah. it, it's the city, it becomes the globe, and then he picks it up. Yes. We have the the zombie iron man yeah he picks up against his helmet that i go back on youtube find the 4k 4k you know version click that and just watch that occasionally because it is by far my favorite scene in that movie and one of my favorite spider-man scenes like that i'm so glad they went mysterio is going to be the villain and we're gonna have a scene like this right richard what do you think
1: I I absolutely love that choice. It was on my list. I would have picked it if somebody else didn't. Um, I mean, that scene is just incredible. Say what you want about Spider-Man Far From Home as a movie. I think it's probably, at least for me, it's number three in, in terms of the Spider-Man movies in the MCU behind No Way Home and Homecoming. But that scene in particular just steals the movie. You get that Mysterio is actually a pretty terrifying villain. Yeah. just based yeah. off of the tech he, tech stuff he does with the Tony Stark tech. And, um, I mean, like you said, he just scares the living daylights out of a 16-year-old kid who's just trying to enjoy a damn vacation in Europe. Um, and, I mean, that scene is incredible. The snow globe stuff, that part where he's about to throw MJ off the Eiffel Tower, um, mm-hmm. absolutely top-notch stuff. I can't argue with that.
0: Yeah, it's um uh, real quick. Uh, if you guys want to pull up your letterboards, or you know, if you have a ranking, yeah. I, want, I want a quick far from home check after I give my little spiel here. Um, this scene has an energy behind it that um, isn't consistent at all, but it works in such a good way. It's fast, it's slow, it's scary, it's calm, it's it's eerie, it's impactful, and then at the end of the day, it gets hit by a train. Um, I think that what they did with Mysterio is one of the bigger feats in comic book movie villains in that it's such a silly concept right Uh, a visual effects uh professional a magician an illusionist of sorts being able to be a super villain how do you make that work everything they did with the characterization of Mysterio I thought was so clever and well done with the drones and the the hologram tech and all that different stuff Um, and it all comes to a head in this scene. And this scene is where, you know, they really start playing the hits, touch them all. Um, you know, you get Mysterio's full contribution to this movie. You know, you really see what Mysterio brings to the table in far from home in this scene. And I absolutely love it. I have far from home at 15, just ahead of Dr. Strange, just behind Shang-Chi. Uh, David, where do you have it? I
2: have it at 12, uh, behind black Panther ahead of age of Ultron.
0: Nice.
1: I am I am still looking for mine. I think I have it either in the low teens or high 20s. Interesting. um, Right in that range. If I get an exact ranking, I will let you know later in the show. Um, I do love the movie. It's just, like I said, definitively my third favorite Spider-Man movie in the MCU.
0: Yeah absolutely yeah well behind the
1: other two at, at um, 12 it is still my third favorite yeah for
0: sure <laughs> I mean, exactly, the, no, the, other, the other two are top six perennial movies you know what i mean like, yeah, yeah
1: both the other two are my top 10 no way home is number one
0: yeah 100 percent. so um if i had to guess knowing richard you have love and thunder and multiverse madness ahead of it
1: you know what i think i do yeah. I, am, I am so torn on on love and thunder though Um, I've been going back and forth with it ever since I saw the movie. I got got to do another watch and kind of get my rankings back. But I think I do have both of those a little bit ahead of uh, Far From Home. It'll
0: be Mm -hmm. interesting to see if Love and Thunder makes an appearance in this draft. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) time for the third pick. So here's what I was thinking as David was making his pick. I think I'm going to go character. And I think that's because in the character list. So I wrote my top five for every category. I know we only have to you know bring three to the table, but I wanted honorable mentions to kind of eat here a little bit. So I have five prepared. There's only two characters I wanted and I'm really happy that um, David passed on character to take arguably the best scene on my list. It was definitely you know top tier of what I wanted to pick. I think if there's a scene worth taking ahead of this character, this is the scene. So great pick as far as strategy. I think you took the best character. I mean, the best scene um, for you off the board and you're going to get the wraparound before we get back to Richard who, you know, scene is more likely in his wide
2: body. receiver one. That's right.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. You went wide receiver um, when running back was on the board and I'm going to go with character right here. It's Hulk. I mean, there's not, there's not too much, yeah. you know, deliberation on, you know, it's not a hot take, but um, the evolution of the, hulk cgi throughout the mcu i think is a really awesome case study of um how to use green screen how to use visual effects and how to use um you know monster type characters with humans and humanoid type people in movies um the incredible hulk the first one i don't think it's bad cgi um you know it has a lot of 2008 things going on with it the um the veins moving the way they do is an interesting choice <laughs> um i would have loved to see that be an abomination thing and not an incredible hulk thing because it creeps me out right like you know what i mean it's um, super creepy <laughs> but you know once you get past that honestly starting at avengers 2012 it's been nothing But, you know, extra base hits for the Incredible Hulk CGI for me. I think it adds so much to the character. It's not like Thanos, where Ruffalo's performance comes through in a profound or scene-stealing kind of way. But the way they've used the Hulk in the MCU is big action set pieces, intense emotional dialogue. Like, those are kind of the two avenues you see the actual Hulk character in. And I think that just the way they designed this character has become so perfected. When you look at She-Hulk, guys, you know, the Jennifer Walters CGI is where people have an issue. The Hulk CGI is down pat because they've been rendering that for a decade now. So they have so many save files for how to do Hulk. It's, It's the most fleshed out CGI character we've ever gotten ever and he's never even had his own movie uh, past 2008 which is his worst CGI performance but you look at Ragnarok and I think that there is no debating that you know the Incredible Hulk peaked at Ragnarok and then Smart Hulk and Endgame he was so involved in so many scenes never took me out of it and I think that's the accomplishment of Hulk that he's so embedded into the world outside your window in the MCU so I will be taking the Hulk um, here in round one. Uh, Richard what Mm. do you think? I
1: absolutely love it. Um, like you said, he's had over a decade to develop in the MCU. And and like you said, his worst CGI was in 2008. And it's not like, I don't think the CGI was necessarily bad in 2008. It was just 2008. Mm-hmm. And things have improved so much over the last decade and a half that the Hulk was naturally going to get better over, over every single movie that he was in. And um, the smart Hulk stuff. I know some people have have complained about it, but like you said, for me, it doesn't take me out of the movie at all. And that's what it needs to do is it as long as it doesn't do that, it's at least okay in my book. And I think from what from just what we've seen in She-Hulk so far from him, I am so excited to see what Marvel has done with uh, Smart Hulk Bruce Banner in She-Hulk. And he continues to get better. I hope he gets to last um, for a while throughout the multiverse saga so he can keep getting better because they keep making these small little improvements Mm -hmm. on the way. And I think by the end of it, he is going to look so, so good. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I think with with Hulk, it's just they nailed it specifically starting with Avengers in 2012 and they haven't looked back. Like, I don't remember a bad looking Hulk since then. I think he looks amazing in that movie. It looks like Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. And like, Mm -hmm. they never really done that before 2012 and they haven't looked back since now smart Hulk gets a whole different like you said she Hulk he looks great Matt I am so curious where we're going with this next pick By the way, I just want to clarify rules. So, like, you guys both have your characters. You guys can't pick characters anymore?
0: Nope. Characters are off the board, for us, off the board so for us. And so yes, I'll, I'll take they, my time the, thinking about
2: that one. All right. Sounds good.
0: the <laughs> analytics of the draft, David does not have to pick character until the fourth round, which is a big advantage for him. But I think Hawk was worth taking there. I think... I think that grabbing uh, Thanos or Hulk and, you know, when character is a part of it, I think that people are going to be able to poke holes in all the other characters where those are pretty two, um, you know, ironclad picks, I think in the character section, uh, Richard.
1: Yeah. And then just real quick before we go on to our next pick, I found my rankings. Spider-Man uh, far from home. Is at 18 for me?
0: Nice. Nice. Fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great film. It's a good one.
1: Definitely. John Watts
2: knows what he's doing.
1: Oh yeah.
0: yeah, he does. Yeah, and more Brothers got a hold of him. Here we go. Second round. A Lot of places to go, guys. A lot of different places I can go. I'm gonna go. Um, it's not the best draft strategy, but there were two there were two positions here where I only had two highlighted. And um one of them's taken away from me in the scene category, so I'm gonna go right back to it. Um, I'm gonna go with um Thanos versus the Avengers on Titan in Infinity Nice. Scene. Good one. Nice. I, I, if I can, I'm going to get the entire fight scene here. But, um, you know, <laughs> you can really chunk it out into specifics. Um, Spider-Man going through the portals. Kick, kick, magic with a kick. Wah! All that stuff. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Everything that the Guardians do, you know, the Guardians all have little itty-bitty visual cues with their um powers and they embed that really well obviously thanos is the center stage but iron man and dr strange huge cgi action against thanos and i think it's one of if not the best um i guess what i'm trying to say is like the ratio of the amount of cgi in the scene versus how good of an action scene it is i think that's going to be at the top of list Benedict Cumberbatch, for the most part, is the only real person in that scene. Um, And I think that's a pretty awesome thing that they were able to accomplish, making it as intense as it was. And then, you know, we get back to, you know, just the pacing and energy of it being aided by the CGI. So I'm going to take the battle on Titan from Avengers Infinity War. Uh, David, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's funny. This was on my list, Um, either Titan just as an environment or this battle. That's that's a great call of making this the scene. Yeah, you know, know, I know. It is. Know, I'm not now. I'm not going to take environment. Uh, Titan. You know that that would be a cowardly move. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, with that being said, uh, what I think about, which is funny, is I don't know if you guys remember those set photos of like Chris Pratt and like Tom Holland and yeah. RDJ, like just like sitting there being like, hey, yeah. we're filming oh, yeah. the Avengers, and they were literally on like this blue screen set with these like rocks, yeah. and that became Titan and um titan's such a cool um we see it again in multiverse of madness uh such a cool planet that we don't see much of but when we do it's really interesting that whole like sequence of being on that planet where like the gravitational pulls is all off and just seeing how it's like fallen and you can imagine how it used to be we get that visual cue from thanos of how it used once was
1: great call what do you think richard i absolutely love it and i'm actually gonna piggyback off what you just said with the the transition from you know Titan was like most planets. It's man. not enough to go around all that stuff. <laughs> and um, I, I love doing Thanos's voice. Um, but but, anyways, um, like that transition from what Thanos is that from what uh, Titan is then to what it used to be is so cool. I mean, the color transition and everything and just how Thanos looks when he's on Titan, you get that little like orange hue on the purple. And I think that specifically, To me, it's like what influenced my Thanos pick for 101 um, is that Marvel and their VFX team made him look so good in that environment. Mm It's like compared to everything else movie. I mean, the rest of the movie is great, but the stuff on Titan lives up to what he looks like in the rest of the movie in more in more neutral colors. And um, I mean, obviously, the the entire CGI, the fight is great. Um, the moments between Iron Man and Thanos is just pure, absolute badassery. Um, it, it's just so good. And it's Throw one of the, one on the best sites.
0: I'm going to lose it. Um yes! Very excited, very excited <laughs> totally. to grab that scene. Very easily could have just been uh, CGI noise. And I think they did a good job uh, putting us in the scene, which is tough mm-hmm. to do. Swinging back on the snake round two. David, you have your scene off the board. Where are you going next?
2: Yeah. Um, I think this is a home run pick. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm just going to flaunt Go my it. stuff. I'm going to a, a sleeper, a <laughs> sneaky sleeper, I guess, uh, in the second round. I'm just happy with the second round pick. It's a first rounder getting in the second, the mirror dimension. Uh, I think specifically in Doctor Strange One, where you see like the buildings start to kind of overlap, it's that inception style. It's one of the most unique and I think iconic things about Doctor Strange, right? And just that specifically that first movie where you start seeing the building, it's the opening scene, you know, with the ancient one, and we start seeing the, the buildings and then we later we get that huge fight sequence um of everything of the you know all the Skyscrapers turning on themselves and the way, like, the physics work and all this. Um, I love the way that looks in that movie, it's so cool to me. Yeah,
0: I gotta know. Um, are you picking it as an environment or are you picking a mirror? scene because I am picking
2: so I'm picking the environment of the mirror dimension. So, the environment that is cool.
0: So, like, on the graphic, I'll show the New York folding on top of each other from Doctor Strange
2: yeah yeah like i mean like you can go a lot of ways in the mirror dimension i suppose um but like my interpretation of like the environment is just yeah. when you go in the mirror dimension you can start doing crazy shit right
0: it's
2: it's exactly
0: it's when the mcu turns into an inception that's the environment that you're picking i think it's a great pick I, I it's something i honestly didn't think of as like an environment but you know when you when you kind of frame it as you know when when the landscape starts folding on top of each other. The inception of it all. Um, I, I think it's super, obviously, iconic with Doctor Strange and, you know, that entire movie. It's, it's one of those things. I, even when Inception came out, I've never really been a sucker for it. I've never been, like... Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. universally loving every single time a city folds on top of each other, and I, I say every single time it happened in Inception, it happened in Doctor Strange, it happened in No Way no, 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 no,
1: no. <laughs> The twice that it happened,
0: yeah. Um, but
1: I'm a
2: sucker for it. That being
0: it, said, it's not to say I'm not <laughs> impressed with it. I, I, it's obviously an incredible concept, and it's very difficult. That's the kind of thing as an artist, I, I just look at how much time and effort went into the planning of windows sliding around on a wall or or you know, this building turning into this street and how it comes back uh when the camera and moves. how the
2: characters how the characters move on it too. You know, like there's that fight later on in the movie once he's kind of accepted that he's Doctor Strange and all that, um, mm-hmm. where you're back in New York and you see in like the, and then you see, you know, him and Mordo going around and in, you know, interacting with all of it in crazy ways and like you're scared and it's moving. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, that'd be my environment. Richard, what do you think of that one?
1: Absolutely love it. I mean, they it's funny, like back before we all did this for a living, um, they were telling us how Doctor Strange was going to be like something visually that we had never seen before. And I think they delivered on it in such a big way that I mean, it's just crazy that that movie is actually actually really possible, to be honest. Um, and the mirror dimension, especially. I mean, you like you said, it starts off the movie. It's one of the first things you see within the first three to four minutes of the movie, and it only gets better from there with the mirror dimension. And um, I mean, obviously, it was used again in uh, Doctor Strange two to to some effect because I don't know, we, we went more multiversal with that one. But um, you know, it's a great effect, and it really is a, an acid trip brought to life.
0: <laughs> and also, uh, No Way Home. Obviously, a huge part of the promotional yes. material for No Way Home was the Mirror Dimension stuff. That was their "Hey, look, Doctor Strange is here." Um, my one, my one big knock on the pick, I guess, would be for me. There's three Mirror Dimension scenes in Doctor Strange 2016. Correct? There's the opening one, the <laughs> the big fight, and then the one in uh, Hong Kong after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Not, you know, not my favorite CGI scene from that movie. So that would be my only knock on uh, mm-hmm. the pick itself. But like we've said, it's also in No Way Home, which gives it huge bump. Maybe I'll put the No Way Home frame in there. Get a little, get a little more. It's geometry. You. A little more. <laughs> you know what's cool? Uh, science, science, math. It's Great stuff. <laughs> hey, <laughs> movie. I should watch that tonight. Oh, <gasps> am I watching That's No a great Way Home?
2: Oh. what no i would save it it's gonna be re release in like a oh, couple yeah, weeks right. that's why i didn't watch yeah it. the re-release that's is why coming. I watched the, the, the more fun stuff version
0: yeah. still
2: no still no tickets on sale by the way yeah, i'm sure i'm, I'm sure, waiting I'm sure the on ticket sales breath. will go
0: just as smooth as the first time around um <laughs> you're here, richard here in the second round back-to-back picks your characters off the board where are you going next
1: all right, since I have backpack pips, I was really nervous about taking this pick after after the one that David just did, because it's a Doctor Strange pick also. Um, but I am going to go rather than a, an environment, a scene from Doctor Strange. I love the one where you're thinking, you know, you got the little slingery thing going, but I'm going to go with, I think, an underrated scene in that movie. Doctor Strange's first trip through the multiverse nice. through magic. <laughs> have you, have you ever seen that in a gift shop? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like right when he first gets to Camertage, right after, you know, the ancient one knocks his astral form out of his physical form. She takes him on what is literally the MCU's first acid trip. Yep. Like, you know, throw drugs into your body and just go to work. Um, you know, the visuals in that <laughs> scene are just absolutely unbelievable. They're, they're unhinged is what they are. Um, you know, cause it's not just one particular thing. You get all the hands growing on top of each other, which is terrifying. super creepy. You get that tease of the dark dimension later with Dormammu, you get, you know, falling into his mouth repeatedly over and over again. You just, just, just him floating through space and time throughout the multiverse, all with the ancient ones narration, yeah. you know, yeah. going over it. And it just, opens your mind to what the mcu could do with visual effects and and we got to remember that this was this is a movie that came out six years ago you know back before like i mean well the cgi and stuff was great back then also it's it's usually been really good in the mcu but this was the first one that really opened the borders and opened the floodgates to what the mcu could do with magic with the multiverse with everything that dr strange brought and I just think that scene is so incredibly cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think specifically about the scene with the eye and the hands. Yeah. Right. The the hands that then, like, is it the hands turn into the eye or the eye turns into the I hands? I think it's it the, the hands fingers turn the eye, into yeah.
0: hands. And then it keeps yeah. going like a Russian nesting doll, man. It's horrifying. Yep.
2: Dude, that's so me.
0: creepy.
1: I
2: hate yeah, it. Yeah. That is a great call. That was on, I'll be honest, that was my number two scene behind the, uh, the later acid trip of the mirror or not the mirror, the, um, the Mysterio
0: illusion. And they're so yeah. similar. They're so similar. It's yeah. because of the pacing of it. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. throwing you from place to place and you don't know where you're going. And then it's, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I wrote it down as the mind's eye seed because that's what she says. Open yeah. your minds or third eye. Is it third eye?
1: open. It's, she just says, open your eye.
0: Interesting. I wish she would have said something before the word I, now that I think about it. But um, (laughs) when she she says that and she sends you into it and it's just Mm -hmm. so fast and abrupt and creepy and colorful and then stops. And he touches the butterfly and then he gets hurled across uh, the globe. I think it's awesome. David, this is what I was referring to when I said the the mirror dimension stuff. While amazing, don't get me wrong, not my favorite CGI scene in that particular movie. So um, it'll be interesting, those being back to back on the graphic as well. I think that'll be a a vote, a vote decider. I think Uh, when the majority of people don't listen to the podcast and they just vote blindly on the graphic, uh, (laughs) that that will be an interesting setup, but it'll be cool. I think, yeah. Two Dr. Strange picks off the board. Uh, You know, mine honorable mention Dr. Strange pick with the mirror dimension being in my scene as well. Um, I think across the board, Dr. Strange has been well represented here in the second round uh moving over to the third on the snake let's get this moving richard you picked the scene when two scenes were off the board just want to point that out real quick one more pick before um one more pick before you have to pick your fourth so uh element uh an effect or an environment am i correct where are you going
1: i am going to go element on this one you were saying you got to watch uh you spider-man no way home tonight i've been going through an mcu rewatch the last two, three few weeks my next one on my list Is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And I am going to go an element from that movie, the titular one, The Ten Rings. Hell yes. I just think, hell (laughs) yeah. This movie came out almost a year ago. And I think this is one of the coolest effects that the MCU has ever had. And specifically, I'm thinking about two aspects of it. First of all, they look amazing. Um, actually, three aspects. They look amazing. You know the effects of what both Shang Chi and the Mandarin can do with them. You know the way they fight, the way they move, and everything is so cool. I love the dynamic. You know the differences between when Shang Chi uses them and the and the Mandarin uses them. I remember it came awesome. on. We did a um we did a weapons draft right after um right after Shang Chi came out, and we couldn't pick the Ten Rings. But I remember saying I love the way that they were so like rigid and weapon like, and just you know, pure disaster angry. And destruction when the angry, angry, yeah, when the Mandarin uses them and when shang Chi uses them, it's this calming. They're like they're like water. And he just waves them through the air and it's just so so cool. And you get that <laughs> like that sense of ancient Chinese like martial arts stuff really in there. <laughs> and then I mean just yeah. And then last quick thing um you know the fact that they have been mentioned since the very beginning. Um, you know, the Ten Rings is something from the first Iron Man movie. And 13 years later, we saw them in action. I just think that is such a cool full circle moment. So I'm going with the Ten Rings. Yeah, I love a recent one,
2: you know, uh, something that's fresh in our minds. Phase mm-hmm. four. Um, and it's so imperative for the future of the MCU. As we know, Shang-Chi is going to be a huge player. Phase five, phase six. And it's very important that those look great, you, you know. Um, so I'm happy you're able to draft these because that is a great call even just how the light works with them uh, i love in that movie the the blue and the gold mixing yes. and matching the father the the mother and the father the um, kind of coming together
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> what'd you say oh it's anime. yeah
2: it's yeah exactly man, that's it it marvel's
0: <laughs> just a cartoon yeah, i love it
2: <laughs> yeah
0: um what do yeah, you think that, Matt? that was uh highlighted on my effects uh list obviously it's it's just such a symbolic effect as well. You know, we talked and that's my biggest takeaway. I'm not going to repeat it, but um, you know, Richard as the music guy, have you have you ever realized the the trick behind the Shang-Chi theme there at the end with the Ten um, Rings?
1: How it's yeah, a little bit
0: mom's tallow theme and his dad theme together. Yeah. Oh at my the god. End? One of my so. All time cool. favorite musical decisions that they've ever made, and the ten rings are a big part of it because when he comes out with the t- with all ten of them, you do, 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 and then add a, more guitar in the MCU. Yeah, that's what I want. Um, Please give me more guitar in the MCU. <laughs> I love it. We haven't <laughs> talked about. Me and you haven't talked about the uh, electric guitar fanfare from Love and Thunder. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, David, big third round pick here because obviously I'm going to clear up my yeah. team in between your two picks. Big decisions need to be made. You need a character and which you won't take is already have one. So um, yeah. So what's going to be your effect?
2: Going with my effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> going with my effect Damn here. <laughs> um, I've been sitting here. <laughs> I've been sitting here mulling because I feel like there's so many effect to me could be so many different things. But I'm going to go with an OG. That's always looked good. And. I don't even know how to almost describe it. It's just Iron Man shooting lasers out of his hands. Yeah. <laughs> the photon blasts.
0: Photon blasts. blasts. <laughs> the, yeah,
2: the photon blasts, like, all of that has looked great since day zero. Since Iron Man 08, like, him, it's all talking about Thanos, Hulk, like, it always has felt, and along with his suit, too, um, but it always has felt very real light right like those lasers are real coming out of it like there's that part in uh Avengers, the little tiny moment where he's clearing out the like um helicarrier's wing mm-hmm. or not the wing but whatever you want to call it kind of the yeah. fan that's keeping it afloat and he like uses that red laser yeah. to, like cut that one part yeah it just all looks so great man and it always does like to me when he's shooting obviously the moment he shoots against captain america shield like photon blast to me it just like it goes along with all of iron man obviously um like the character himself but the photon blast it's like and, and just everything he, sh- he always is doing out of his like suit is always just on point and it has been since literally the very beginning of the mcu so that is my pick
0: sneaky way to get iron man on the board here i, I like that i like that. You, didn't, <laughs> very, you didn't have to take yeah. him as you didn't have to take him as a character because obviously like right you know, the the easiest like that and downness of of CGI yeah. has been with Iron Man. It's been great. It's also been really bad. Yeah, sneaky wig and <laughs> Iron Man on the board. I very much appreciate that. Thank you. you know, the, the first <laughs> Thank you. pick, not on my list, not to say it's not a good pick. Easily the deepest category was effects. Um uh so um interesting there. I, before I pitch to Richard, I do want to point out my favorite Photon Blast moment is Avengers Age of Ultron, the opening scene when they attack the Hydra base in Sokovia and he slides in on one knee yeah. with the double underneath. Oh, yeah. yes. Like Iron like Man totally action just go pop, got him. Um, all-time all-time effect. And also just the way his shoulder comes back when he does it. I, the consistency mm-hmm. of the recoil yeah. for the Photon Blast is always very cool. Richard Very quickly. What are your photon blast thoughts?
1: Absolutely love it. Like you said, OG Iron Man was just on TV, like within the last week or something. I checked it out. The first scene where he really uses them, where he's watching the whole 10 rings broadcast and like right before he suits up as like the Mark three Iron Man for the first time. Oh my God. Like, like when he does that first one and his arm, just like shoots back. But then when he gathers himself and just shoots out all the windows, Oh my God! You Great call. you get the sense that like this dude is not messing around, and the MCU is in for something really, really big with its first hero. Um, can't argue with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an awesome call. Um, it's a it's a really it's a really um legendary uh, effect as well, a staple of the MCU. Shun- mm-hmm. Sound
2: effect too. Sound <laughs> effect, absolutely. First
0: first round pick in our sound drafts, if I'm not mistaken. Um. uh Real quick point on the sound: the Department of Damage Damage Control, photon blast, uh repulsor blast guns, because they make the same sound that Iron Man does. Um, mm-hmm. if you rewatch Miss Marvel, their guns have the Iron Man sound, and then the little circle, um, is is the blast. <laughs> so comic book, right? Yeah, love it. Um. All right, guys. All right, are. Matt.
2: Let's let's round out this let's this Grimkey team here.
0: So. I could go all Infinity War with my uh here. Easily do that. Um, Hulk, counts, option. Hulk counts in Infinity War. I, I, I don't, I'm i going to pick my environment first because I don't know which effect I want to take here. So I'm going to take Vormir as my environment. Um, Vormir is obviously a very important location in the MCU. Uh, two of nice, probably two top five deaths in the MCU take place at Vormir. And um, they're mirror yeah. deaths, which is a cool thing. Um, you know, there's just so much about it. Everything on top of the ridge with Red Skull and just the environment there. Obviously, when Gamora and, and uh, Black Widow go down, the light that comes up, Uh, you know, as much as we all hate big blue light in the sky in comic book movies after um 2012, I think that one plays. Um, Just another sneaky one, though, Thanos and Hawkeye in the river after the fact, you know, that the landscape shot. um at Yes. Vermeer. I think yes. that's. I think that while it doesn't get as much time as um, the other location I had mentioned on my board, I can't wait for honorable mentions. Um, it, did, it doesn't have as much time. I do think that it uh, makes a huge impact with the time that it has. So I'm going to take Vormir for my environment. Thoughts, Richard?
1: Hey, a, a great pick. Absolutely top-notch pick. It, you know what's funny? I can't believe I didn't even have that one on my board because yeah. that is Easily one of the five to ten best locations in the MCU. Um, like you said, story-wise, it hits. Um, you know, with with Gamora's death, Black Widow's death. Um, you know, the darkness of it, the the water down at the bottom on the on the mountain. Uh, the water, you know, the, right. the, just the cliff. You know, the the mountain ranges. You know, the way that um, the floating, you know, corpse of Red Skull looks. You know, floating around in there and. I mean, it's just great. And one of the things that, you know, really makes it for me is when you look at after Gamora and Black Widow fall, all the blood marks of all the people who have tried to get the soul stone in the past. You know, that just adds that extra level of depth for me story wise. And I love when scenes do that.
0: Right. Right. And I like that they didn't have the green splatter when Black Widow fell because technically it was before that
1: happened. Yeah, (laughs) exactly
0: decision david any uh exterior thoughts on for me here
2: it was on my list i considered it earlier uh great pick it, oh, it is aesthetically very pleasing all mm-hmm. over like it, they nail it with the lighting on that planet
0: yes so it comes down to a lot especially when you go um off world with your cgi you know getting the lighting to be unique and uh feel different is important
2: it's always windy you know it's always windy this is always, always a breeze it. yeah
0: yeah, it, yeah. It, they
2: they did a great job of really making it feel like you're there
0: Yep, it's a it's a haunting place for sure. I I like having it on my team here. I think it's gonna look good on the graphic. I'm between two. There's one that I you both have an effect, right? So I can talk about it openly.
2: Yeah, yep. you're you're open, man. Okay. okay.
0: So I, I need you guys to help me figure it out. Okay. I could go with the one that's going to look the best on the graphic and just the Infinity Stones, just overall. Mm. Just each stone, the way Mm -hmm. it glows, the way that they're held in people's hands, depending on what they are. Um, The Ether, obviously, Mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the stones. The Tesseract, the biggest MacGuffin um, of Phase 1. And then everything, uh, when it comes down to the glove, I feel like with the glove, I really appreciate how when Thanos does certain things... He only lights up certain stones. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not just yeah, all yeah. light up and something happens. It's it's a decision he's making to light up the red stone at this time to do a red attack or the you know, just all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I think I think that would play best on the graphic, but mm. I'm go with my heart. I'm gonna go with my heart. Mm. We don't have any guardians on the board, guys. I can't Ooh, have it. yeah, I can't I can't let that be. So I'm taking Yandu's arrow nice and i want to take surprise the most entertaining (laughs) scenes in the mcu um with that pick obviously i just get the arrow as an effect but on the graphic it's going to become a little bit closer from guardians 2 and with just the bodies falling down all around him and he's just walking (laughs) right on through with the arrow the red tail obviously is the signature of the of the effect and it's uh it's a it's just a great way to visually engage the audience as the scene goes on you know it's, it's it's nothing inventive but it's so fun to watch what i do love is the personality of the arrow you know he's never flying straight it's always a little shaky and when the arrow yeah. stops to turn around it like banks a little bit it's not just like a it's it's not like what magneto would do think about magneto would just turn it around like that You know, Yandu has like a has a whole bank to it and stuff, and I think it's got a personality to it. Hundred percent, just like the rings, I think have a personality to it. This arrow has a little bit of a chaotic nature. The kinetic energy of the arrow, I think, is great, and along with that, the way it just goes through people, it's just so swift. It's 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 not anything violent; it just happens. Um, So, I think that that's going to be a good pick on the board. And I needed some guardians, so I'm taking Yandu's arrow.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. it. it it was a surprising pick to me. Um, I guess we'll save honorable mentions, but there's some other effects uh I would say that like, you know, maybe wouldn't go there. I like that idea. That's a unique pick to me. Um, but some that may be more like iconic, I sure. guess, that I'm sure. almost surprised didn't go, right. but we only get one pick each. So I'm exactly. pretty
0: chalk. I'm pretty chalk here. I got Hulk, I got the attack on Titan. Um, <laughs> and I have Vormir. Attack on Titan. So I thought I'd, you know, get a little personal there rounding out my team yeah David, you need a character i have three on my list i'm excited to see where you go
2: yeah there's a lot of options i i would honestly say that thanos and hulk are like jonathan taylor christian mccaffrey You're um right. they're like the top two The <laughs> big Hulk, the big hulking guys that fight in infinity war you know those are the cgi kings of yep. the characters um, i'm not gonna go iron man That's spoiler i like like uh like uh, a loophole there. Matt mentioned. Yeah, no. <laughs> like Matt mentioned, I got him in Mom on my list, kind of. Uh, all right,
0: all right. I
1: respect that.
2: I am thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate do. that. Um I am it's funny you mentioned there's no guardians because I'm going with one, and that is Groot. Oh I think yeah. Groot- That's right. That's right. Not
0: what I was expecting.
2: <laughs> Not Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. I'm going with Groot. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why
0: <laughs> Groot,
2: Groot since day one since Guardians 1 in 2014 he looks amazing in that movie mm-hmm. look Rocket always looks great but it's the diversity in Groot right mm-hmm. we have big Groot then we get baby Groot then we get teenager Groot and it all looks amazing you know like <laughs> there's just something to that character where they're oh my god I'm specifically visualizing when the we are Groot moment happens yes everyone the close-up of his face oh my gosh the detail like they take so much tireless hours on Groot's detailing like he looks phenomenal and for a cgi draft i feel like Groot has to be there especially because there's been so many models of him you know like i said the big the little the medium you know we're going to continue on with another kind of Different, yeah yeah the young man yeah bench uh, 300 groot um sometime <laughs> soon so yeah groot <laughs> rounds out my list getting a guardian on the board uh back-to-back guardians picks richard what do you think
1: i i can't argue with it i mean but we'll mention rocket later obviously he's got to be an honorable mention but no groot is so good and, and i like the pick because of the diversity you know you've got Three different versions, actually, more like four different versions of Groot because he got the little pot Groot at the end of uh, <laughs> yeah, at the end of Guardians Jackson 1. But the Jackson Rose 5 Groot, is- Groot. Mm-hmm. The Jackson 5 Groot, exactly, exactly. I'm gonna go with that. Um, and <laughs> I mean, obviously, looking ahead, I cannot wait to see how freaking badass he looks in Buff Guardians Fruit. 3. I think they're calling him like Alpha Groot or, Prime yeah. Groot or something. <laughs> me,
0: dude. That is going to be
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> friggin' badass <laughs> like i mean i cannot wait to see what kind of group we get in that movie we haven't seen um i don't think we saw or, or the people at comic-con saw him in any of the footage that they saw but i cannot wait to see what we get in guardians 3 with him and uh you know he he's iconic i can't lie
0: that'll be the stinger for the first official trailer i feel like will be our first look at new group right um mm. Uh, I watched Baby Groot. And it was wonderful, gorgeous, gorgeous content. With it being Baby Groot, mm-hmm. um, I, I I like Groot here. I think Rocket, um, Rocket would have been my pick here simply because they made a tear come out of a raccoon's face and I cried. Like that's that's a feat, a visual yeah. effects. Like you know, we talk uh, in you know, David. Not take away from your pick, but like with with Rocket, we talk that's about right. CGI's ability not to take you out of it. You know, that's a huge part of it. He, yeah. ne- he never distracts you. For a, a raccoon crying not to take you out of such a heavy moment at the end of Guardians 2, I think that would have put rocket over group for me personally. But I like I like your strategy here with the variants that you get. You do get all three groups. However, only one group can go on the graphic, David. So you need to put your foot down. You need to make a decision here. <laughs> give me give me the shot, the
2: close up of the we are, we Groot are group. group? Yeah, do that. The the detail.
0: Kind of on the graphic. Let's see how that fair Bold move, Cod. Bold move.
1: Uh, a bold move, nah. buddy. <laughs> no, I love it.
0: Uh, we are group, all-time moment and guardians. Um, great. Underrated. Underrated as yes. Hell. Underrated as hell. And underrated think, as hell. I think people want to look at that moment just to get on my guardian's kick for a second I never get to do this. Um, just that <laughs> people want to fixate on the dance off to save the universe is being silly. And what a creative way to end the movie is what I say. People forget how emotional We Are Groot was. Like, there's a lot of there's oh a lot gosh. of give and take in that last 15 minutes. Where it, yes, it is silly, but man, you know, to get to that point, what an emotional, impactful, dramatic beat um, with We Are Groot. Heading over to Mister Irrelevant, the last pick of this very long draft. Richard, you need an environment. This environment. Probably the environment. most wide open position um, could go anywhere Yeah, where, where we had.
1: And this is honestly the toughest pick that I have. I mean, I have been really struggling to try to pick, you know, cause there's, there's, like I said, there's a good five to 10 environments in the MCU that are worthy of being in this draft. Um, I mean, the, you, we mentioned Titan earlier. Um, obviously Vormir is a great one. I've been debating between a couple. I think I'm going to go like, like you were saying your head or your heart. I think I'm going to go both with my heart and potentially for the You're future shit. with where we're going in the MCU, <laughs> the dark dimension. All right. Um, Ooh, I, I'm going to go, nice. I'm going to go another Dr. Strange <laughs> one, mythic. go with the dark. D- yep. love it. Um, <laughs> I mean, the way that um, place looked at the end of the first Dr. Strange movie, I mean, the colors in it while being so dark and being, you know, the home of Dormammu, um, I mean, I think they just did an incredible job with that. I mean, obviously it also has one of the best scenes in the MCU. So I don't, I don't, I don't get that as part of the draft itself, but, uh, Dormammu, have come to bargain and, uh, you know, that's just one of the, one of the most fun MCU moments ever, um, in that scene, but, um, no, I'm going to go with the dark dimension. Obviously we got it, The tease of it at the end of uh, doctor strange in the multiverse of madness, Little our, le- <laughs> a, our lead up to secret wars with Clea, you know, that movie is becoming more and more important to the MCU uh, the more and more we learn about the MCU and the multiverse saga. And uh can't wait to see more Dark Dimension coming up in the future, whether it be Doctor Strange 3 or, you know, Secret Wars, Kang Dynasty, whatever. It's going to be great.
0: David.
2: Yeah, great pick. I love the uh, idea. Like the last pick is kind of like a high ceiling pick. Like, mm-hmm. You mentioned an investment pick. Like, ah, yeah, exactly. We got it. There we got going. it. dermamu <laughs> looks great. We saw it for a second being into by Clea, but uh, there's a bright future for the dark dimension. Um, love ah. it, Richard. Great way to end off <laughs> the was
1: That's a good one.
2: <laughs> I don't <laughs> know the future for cheer. the dark
1: <laughs> dimension. I
0: don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do do it. You know I what? I'm gonna lean towards here. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Matt, what do you think? the The draft is over. Let Let's maybe get your thoughts and dive into some honorable mentions.
0: Yeah, I think it's I I think it's a fine pick. I think uh, I think it looks fantastic. Uh, I I go back to kind of what I was uh, thinking. Um, I was gonna if anybody took the in game scene, I was going to push back in the sense that CGI isn't the best part of that scene, and I feel the same way about uh, I've I've come to bargain. I think that the the story of that scene is the carrier there. Not that the Dark Dimensions, I have nothing bad to say about it. It's just it wasn't on my board personally. But it doesn't come um, as a tie for you. It's going to look yeah. great on the graphic, though, because it is so unbelievably colorful. Like, this might like, be the yeah. best
1: graphics team I've ever had.
0: I'm excited about it. Um, Thanos
2: is an immediate like check mark.
0: <laughs> you getting Thanos to the again. top left is going to be tough to beat, but um, that's why me and David gave it our best shot. Just to recap teams real quick. Richard uh, has Thanos, the Mind's Eye scene from Doctor Strange, the Ten Rings visual effect, and the Dark Dimension. David. You have Groot, the Mysterio Illusion scene from Far From Home, the Photon Blast effect, and the Mirror Dimension. I have Hulk, the Battle on Titan scene, the Yondu Arrow effect, and Vormir. Honorable mentions for characters. anybody have one? Obviously, we talked about Rocket. Um, I only had one more on my list, and it was Ultron. I had cool. Vision. Vision. Uh, yeah.
2: Ultron That's and Vision play. for sure.
0: Yeah. CGI character? Yeah. Vision? I mean... Uh, Isn't Bettany in Makeup?
2: He is, but like his not eyes really. and all that is very CGI. I mean, yeah. I didn't pick they him. They do a lot of good CGI of on you, him.
0: Don't get me wrong. Yeah,
2: I didn't pick him because
1: of what you literally just said. Because it's like, eh, like yeah. we're halfway. You know
0: the position.
1: I wish exactly. the scrolls were CGI because that's yes. because that would have been cool. But they did such a good job with practical makeup on the scrolls that I'm not even that at it.
0: Prosthetic. Yeah,
1: and I didn't. I don't want
2: to pick take Spider Man, which even honestly, like Spider Man CGI in the MCU Spider-Man isn't plays. like my favorite part. You yeah, know, for sure. um honestly my favorite CGI part of Spider Man in the entire MCU is probably um in infin- or sorry in no way home how that gold plate is all just yes. CGI. It yeah, looks fantastic. Cool. Like and they just have it like glued on him somehow, like digitally. Right. Um I do want to throw out like a t- a couple of can we talk about effects just for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, Let's effects. do it. Um the sling ring.
0: Sling <laughs> ring, yep. Yeah, you know that crazy like, that, it wasn't picked, like, but
2: yeah, that one's probably the, the number one that I almost picked, in. and the other one that I almost picked and did not I went with the photon blast because I wanted my boy Tony Stark. Um, is just like I, I don't know, lightning. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, more more.
0: I would say millionaire yeah. is a, a yeah Milner. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's good. Just lighting up, you know, like For Thor, sure. like just getting all the yeah. lightning around him. Um, sure. yeah, and then I have had... one other r- random one. Oh, sorry. No, no, no please. It's not an effect. It's just, I, but I didn't know how to categorize it. It is a specific part in the Avengers <laughs> where there's the wormhole. Yeah. Okay. In the wormhole. The, know, when, the, when the wormhole is open and we see Tony go through it, like that just oh. looks amazing. You yeah. know what I mean? Pretty like, solid. I, I guess it's a scene, but it's just like that moment where he goes through. It's right? only a couple seconds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just, it's so good. I had the Battle oh, of New York insane. on my scenes list. Uh, okay. Overall, yeah. The overall battle attitude. Yeah. Scene, the football scene. Um I had just the Eternals powers. The wi- the gold wire framing mm-hmm. of their powers, I think it's so yes. cool and visually interesting and it looks like the 10 rings and obviously those are going to be tied together in some way. Um I'm excited about that. Another sneaky one that I wanted to pick but it wouldn't have played on the graphic. Hawkeye's Arrows, majority CGI. Like the wide majority yeah, of arrows. I think the story great is great. Like, like Kate Bishop started training in archery for like weeks and weeks and weeks. She showed up to set and Jeremy, Jeremy Renner was like, yeah, you're never going to hold there. Like, like, <laughs> like they, they put all of those in after the fact, just know how to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I want to right. see um, that. In. Um, any other, I got effects, a couple. Richard? Yeah.
1: I got a couple of effects um, in the Dr. Strange realm. Um, the of levitation, uh, probably the best character right. in the first one. Ooh, um you know, <laughs> I think, you know, it's one of my uh, favorite characters from the first movie altogether, more, more than most of the humans. Um yeah. the, sli- the sling ring, like you said, um, Scarlet Witch's magic, um, especially in Multiverse of Madness. I think she did some incredible stuff when she transformed the uh, the apple farm into, mm-hmm. you know, the red, dark Scarlet Witch world. Incredible. Great. Um, And yeah, those would be my top two. The 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 sling ring, the Coca Legitation and Scarlet Witch.
0: I ended up not picking it because I was able to get Titan. Um, if I would have picked de aging as an effect, do you think that right. would have played? Or would I have needed to pick a scene? That would have been tough.
2: I almost went, um what's his name? Um Hank Pym. Michael yeah. yeah, Michael Douglas. That he looks that that scene, it was that okay. Ant Man of the Wasp, or is it just Ant-Man? Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It looks Great. amazing. Like yeah, it is incredible de aging. Even even Tony Stark in Civil War.
0: That's uh, Marvel's that's de one
1: aging. Yeah, Marvel's de aging has nailed it every single time, and like that's one of my favorite things. I wish we, one of us could have gotten it on. This
0: I map. think the worst one is probably Peggy and Winter Soldier, and even then, it's not that bad. The only thing that yeah. one has for me is the teeth. It's always the teeth for me. I, that's what gets me in Rogue One more often than not with Tarkin. It's just his teeth don't look real um in that yeah. but um yeah. i think that that's the only one something we didn't mention probably should have been on the graphic skinny steve rogers
1: yes i can't mm-hmm. believe we, Rogers is such is a, a huge generated
0: thing that could have been character even
1: that's such a huge miss i'm so yeah. mad i
0: didn't pick that
2: i do have one more that i saw in research for this i don't know if you guys read this but i had no idea until i saw this was that there's at the end of iron man three i guess when oh, yeah. he, uh, when <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, when Robert <laughs> Jr. throws the thing and, like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, not the it's not even him, yeah, they put I his face that. on some guy's body. I can't I just recently that when I read, read that, yeah, yeah, no idea. so that's like a little random kind of so um niche one,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> any other scenes anybody had? I mentioned Battle of New York and the Civil War, uh, barf scene,
1: um, Wakanda. I, I don't know how much of that was CGI. Uh, well, obviously, for a moment, we could have picked uh, Thor blasting into wakanda with stormbreaker that would have
0: been awesome would have been sick yeah. yeah uh immigrant song i think could have played as immigrant a good song break. for sure but you know yeah that's, it's just one it's really that's more of just a moment you know what i mean
2: yeah it's hard because like it's a cgi draft you know and that's kind of how i took it like there's uh, there's stuff that's cool and there's cgi presence <laughs> <You laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean? the like what yeah like wh- where is cgi yeah, like, the down. star Kind of yes, yeah.
0: yeah. I couldn't agree more. And uh environment. The only ones I had that didn't get mentioned, uh we mentioned Titan, Tello. Um, I wondered Talo, if I, I if one. I had taken Tello, would I have gotten the Pokemon with it? Because that's my <laughs> favorite part of that movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. I had yeah. um I had an ego as yeah, an environment. Yeah. Oh, dude.
0: yeah. And and think about ego, there's so many different ones. His house, the green about ego. So the walkthrough yeah. of his life. When Gamora is sitting yeah. in the desert with just like the one flower, I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, ego is a great pick.
1: Um, one of the ones I wouldn't—I don't know if it would be scene or environment. The Statue of Liberty at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home mm. because that's entirely blue screen except for like the top of the Statue that's of Liberty's right. head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know about that one. I mean, I think that falls I mean, there into were a couple like rough a moments. TGI
0: the star there. You know, that's exactly, that's cause, my thought because yeah. the
1: stars are the three freaking Spider-Man and five villains.
0: Which, plenty of CGI there as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. When um, them
2: swinging, that, yeah. that part of them running and swinging, that's all CGI, pretty much. Good. It's a good oh, movie, yeah.
0: guys. It's a good movie. I'm glad we all saw yeah. that. Um, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, that is... <laughs> draft. I, Nevin, I went to a freaking snore store to see that movie opening night. <laughs> Make sure to go see the more fun stuff. Um, Nevin's what you know. working on the website right now um, after She-Hulk.
1: Oh, I got a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I've done three articles today already. I'm actually oh, working shit. on a a, a fun uh, little Mando feature, kind of recapping everything, all the characters we've got confirmed for season three. My first Star Wars feature in over two years of working at the site. Wow! Um, and uh, yeah, no, I'll be all over She Hulk, all over Black Panther the rest of the year. I'm sure I'll be on before way before then. But uh, no, I'm I'm working on stuff every day, and uh, you know you can find me at uh, Richard Evans on Twitter and. Uh, writing all the time at
0: the direct. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you. But there are upsides. Your ass looks crazy right now. This is the best date I've had in a while. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Wheel of the Fantastic. That was everything you need to know about the universes you love. That was she hawk episode one. That was a CGI draft. <sighs> And that was an episode, episode one hundred and six of the Direct Podcast. Everything you need to know about the universes you love, David. How about that She-Hulk episode, huh? Man, wasn't it? Wasn't it something? It was something, dude. <laughs> it was just something. It was. It, it was good and bad at all the best places, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's out there. It's streaming right now. Gosh, golly, Disney's <laughs> back at it again.
0: Love a good Josh Golly, David. Thank you so much. For joining me on. <laughs> You're welcome ride today my brother and uh next week we will have she hawk episode two and we're not really sure what else we're going to do if you have any ideas for a draft list or fan cast you'd like us to do next week let us know hit us up on twitter at david thompson that's david with two a's and at matt remke r-o-e-m-b as in boy k-e and until then we will see you next time
1: they want to know I can't fail. Keep a gangster for the cowards, so I that give man. them hell. Call me misfit, lips for the gang of trash. Riskless now, cause I made a gang of cash. Like glam, still street with the do
2: Slang, spit, gang, change speech, how they do that? <laughs> watch they mouths drop, watch the crowds pop up and act out. Brawls with the school face, smash on and knock out. Ain't chain, can't run me, I run the game. If I gotta keep it that green, so be like simple. Dizzy brawls ain't messing with my mental. Natural born hustling shit. Check what I've been through. Got mine. Took it from you, and now you slap mine. Back yeah. to ex- my yeah. own dawg. I'm on the dot. Com.